You ready? 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 Watch out, Grapefruit! Anyway, but the 
Warning, the following podcast features views and opinions that are not representative of the collective views of the Whispers groups. Some of these views may not be suitable for children. Accordingly, the producers and hosts of the Missy AE podcast must insist that no one attempt to take anything that is being said as representative of the views of any of the Whispers groups. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of the Missy AE podcast. Tonight, we bring to you Sports Whispers Weekly, where we talk nothing but sports for the duration of the show. I'm your host, Steve Kent, and as always, I am joined by Lou, and I am also joined by Diane. <laughs> For, uh, yeah, for the second straight hear. week this week. Uh, how are you two doing tonight? Doing great. I might think they're going to make it even better. I'm doing good. Thanks, Diane. Well, that's great to hear. We're, we're happy to have you back on uh, for, for a second straight week here, Diane. Um, a Thank quick you. reminder, a quick reminder uh, real quick for anybody uh, who is listening in either live or on the archives. This upcoming Wednesday night, we will have, or not Wednesday, I'm sorry, Thursday night, we will have the Survivor 43 recap podcast. So, Survivor fans, make sure you stay tuned for that. And for anybody wondering where you can find the Missy AE podcast, you can do so by going to blogtalkradio.com slash Missy AE. Subscribe there. Or you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, Spotify, any of the major networks uh that that carry podcasts more than likely we are already on it so feel free uh if you if you guys haven't done so yet subscribe and you'll get access to all of our podcasts that we've done and uh, ones that we have coming up in the future i figured though uh since we talked about about this earlier uh we should probably start off Uh with the alcs like I what said, is uh-oh. going on with the Yankees? That's what I want to know. American League Conference semifinals. No, it's the American League Championship Series die, but you know, basically okay. it that way. I can't believe they can only get two hits off, two hits off of the Astros. I, I just don't believe that their offense, was, their offense tonight was just flat, and t- and the Astros took advantage of it. How in the world can this happen? Yes, I know that the Astros are a good team, even though they seem to be a bunch of, well, you know, cheaters. But still, right. their offense was sharp, and our defense was pathetic. And the changing in the lineup didn't help either. That's what was supposed to you know, help us. Yeah, D- Diane, what's, what's your take right. on the Yankees? Nothing. What's your take, Diane, on the Yankees' struggles? Because... Yeah, this is very unlike the Yankees, who were one of the mo- one of the biggest offensive teams in the entire league this year. And all of a sudden, it seems like once they once they uh, take on the Astros, it, they all of a sudden are starting to fall flat. We're not the biggest defensive team. Well, no, that's. That's uh, that's for sure. They're not the biggest defensive yeah. team, but uh, we need you to have know, a good defense too, hmm. not just a good offense. Yeah. Right. I mean, I mean, the Astros. You know, uh, one thing that actually helps them is they have a defensive catcher in Vasquez uh, behind yeah. the plate, so that actually helps limit any of the uh, any of the pitching errors that the uh that any Astros pitchers might be throwing. But 
I, I want to I want to give you two some numbers here from the Yankees uh, from the Yankees lineup because I remember we discussed this earlier today as to yes. whether or not a lineup change would help. So here's the result of the lineup change. Anthony Rizzo, of course, went first. He went 0 for 3 today. His average dropped to 231. Mm. Aaron Judge mm. went 0 for 4. His average dropped to 156. And by the oh. way, that was with two strikeouts. Giancarlo yeah. Stanton. Our Giancarlo Stanton, who had the only hit off of starter Christian Javier, went one for four with a 179 batting average now. Oh, God. Glaber Torres went 0 for three with a 133 batting average. And forget about what I said about Matt Carpenter. Matt Carpenter went one for four, but his batting average isn't even at 100. Oh, that's his tough. batting average is below hundred. Our defense is pathetic. And my joke didn't help either. Mm. Actually, let me see who had the yeah the error today was by Bader out in center field actually mm. because he couldn't, he couldn't catch he couldn't catch a simple fly out apparently, which which is which is kind of actually what helped it blow the game it. open for Houston. Yeah, our just, defense yeah. is pathetic. Yeah, and our offense is much better either. So now we got to win from this point on. Right. Well, I mean, there's, there's no choice. <laughs> there's no choice I know, but to I win know. because the the Yankees are going to try and do – and let, let me bring in Alex here. Uh, welcome to the show, Alex. Alex, you too. Okay. Hey, how's it going, Steve? Uh, it's going going good, Alex. We have we have Lou and we have mm-hmm. Diane on the line with us as well. Oh, great! I can call in not the whole show, Steve. Although I'd love to, I can stay in for a little bit though, definitely. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah. Well, we're next not, week. We're, next week. I, actually... Next week. Next week. I should be able, next week. I should be able to do a little bit more. But yeah, what are you guys uh, talking okay. about? Well, ALCS. we're discussing yeah the ALCS and the offensive struggles of the Yankees who at one point this season were an offensive juggernaut and now all of a sudden they can't even buy a run. Yes, yeah, amazing. They they're they're built for the long ball, right? So uh-huh. and they added with big swing and miss guys like Donaldson, so I guess they're getting what they I it's come to a head now. Houston just plays better small ball and they can they can swing for the fences too. Yeah, what do they have? How many hits did they have today? One, two, two, three, two. Yeah, they had three. It was uh, it was Stanton, Carpenter, and Bader with the three hits, and two oh. of them came in the ninth inning. Okay. Yeah, it's well, feeble. Interesting. Both rally, both New York teams did the same, pulled the same uh, act. Yeah, they're, they're, I think it's time to get rid of uh, Boone and maybe Cashman. I think it's finally oh. about time. Fire, fire, Cashman. Please. You can you can fire me or general manager. Oh, who owns the Yankees now? Well, uh, Steinbrenner. Steinbrenner's son. Steinbrenner's son. Okay. 
Yeah, is it, is it Hank or Hal that's still living? I think it's uh, Hal. Okay, so uh, either okay. either. So yeah, file the general the general manager and um, the manager. You mean Boone? Well, he might get yeah, fired. Yeah, Boone. Um, is he the manager? Yeah, so I'm afraid that if he doesn't win this uh, tomorrow or I would say if he loses it with him before uh, game six, that he would get fired. Any idea for a replacement for You want the job? Uh, no. I think that's it. <laughs> <laughs> I, think I know. Do you have any idea of who would be a good manager? No, actually, I don't. Okay. Think about it, though. It has been done before. Uh, you know, teams have come back, uh, or I say a team has come back from being down 3 nothing. Wonder who that could be. Gone on to win. Uh, you know, back in 2004. But anything, uh-huh. anything's possible. But the problem here is New York. They, they just, they have. It seems like they have no discipline. I mean, nine strikeouts no. tonight. Yeah, actually, yeah, like, you know, we're just completely just unraveling. No discipline. Just unraveling. And after what about the angle? What about the angle? How's that? You mean the Phillies and the Padres? Um, Last check, it was four to three. Okay. And right now, yeah, it's yeah, it still is four to three. It's still four to three. Man. Uh, Padres. Okay. On this series, flip a coin. And actually, this is the first uh, – we actually did see a little bit of history, I guess, because this, is the, this was the first brothers pitcher. This was the first pitcher tonight, Mike Clevenger, uh, the first oh. pitcher to pitch – a postseason game without recording an out for the first, I think I think maybe the fifth pitcher <laughs> all time to pitch uh, to start a postseason game without recording an out. Injuries have really taken their toll with him. He used to be awesome years ago on the, on the Indians, yeah. and then he just he's really slowed down. A dubious distinction. Yeah. If I ever saw one. I mean, yeah. three hits, uh, three three hits allowed. Uh, three earned runs, one walk, and he and one of those runs was off of a home run by Manny or not Manny Machado by uh, by, by it was by uh, Reese Hoskins. Yeah. So, okay, who's that? Who's what? Reese Hoskins. Oh, Philly Rice from Philadelphia. Okay. Yeah. It seems like this was a bullpen game for, honestly, well, actually, no. It, it was supposed to be a bullpen game for Philadelphia, which it technically was. Bailey Falter only lasted two-thirds of an inning, giving up four runs. And mm-hmm. then they brought in Connor Brogdon, who basically shut everything down since. But then, yeah, 
a lot of people expected Clevenger to go to go at least five innings tonight, and he didn't even make a single out in the entire game. So, wow. Okay, what does that tell you? Maybe they should fire the players. You can't do that. Okay. I mean, it. Uh, you know, the, the, for for it being a must win game for San Diego, especially after what happened last night. Yeah. Uh not it's you know, it's not it's not a good look for uh San Diego's uh pitching staff for them to basically almost give up a four run lead that they had entering the bottom of the first. And well, at the end of, at the times. end of the first it was four to three. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it, Lou, it does happen sometimes, but not in the postseason, you know? Right, that's that's very rare, but it, ha- it has happened. It has, yeah. It has happened, but just not in the postseason, you know, where everything, everybody yeah. is supposed to be picture perfect, you know, everybody's supposed to be locked in. And sure. so far, for the most part, in this NLCS, it's been nothing but uh, – it's been – Anything but locked in. Yeah. And, you know, we discussed this earlier, but let's talk about last night with, uh, what's his name, Jerkson Profar of the Padres was up. And he he, he had the count up to a full count. He, it looked like he had checked his swing the umpire claimed that he went around, even though replays showed that no. it didn't break the plane. So, I mean, I, I don't mm-hmm. know. I don't know if uh, if any of you three ended up watching uh, the NFL. I saw the play tonight. You did. What, 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 was, your, what was your thoughts on that, Lou? Not a chance. Not a chance. He didn't. That shouldn't have been. That shouldn't have been a strike. That was. That was. A, that was jipped. Oh, so you think it what it should have been? You, you think it was the right call then? Because they called it a no, uh, no, I don't. Okay, so it should have been ball four. Yes, I would say it would have been ball four. He didn't know okay, he went. Yeah, he knew he went around. Because it's it's very interesting when you think about it. Because last night's game actually kind of hinged on that one play. Because after that. That ended San Diego's rally that they were starting. Yes, and Philly and was able to end up closing it down. So, you know, I think I think the bit and and another thing too was uh, I believe Profar ended up getting ejected from the game too as a result of that. For yeah, his, he did. Uh, he was, yes, he, he did. Human. For his reaction, I, I mean, Alex, what are, what are your thoughts on? Uh, on pro on the uh, on the play, did you end up seeing the play? Yeah, I, I agreed with Profar. I mean, he's going to be amped up in that side of a situation, anyways, because so, so much on the line. But I think he had a good grip. I didn't like the I didn't like the call actually. I agreed with pro, Profar. It was so close. Yeah, I think in that situation you can't call him out. Yeah, especially especially in such a high leverage game, you know where. Basically, one single one single decision can 
ultimately tipped the scale either way. And, you know, what ended up happening, obviously, was that ended up uh, ruining any any chance that San Diego had at a potential rally that inning. And Philly basically took advantage of it the entire rest of the game. And Absolutely. now, because of that, they now have a 2-1 series lead uh, heading into, into tonight's game four, which is currently 4-3 to three San Diego. What what are your thoughts yeah. on, on that play on that play, Diane? Did you get did you get to see the play? Um, no, I didn't. Oh well, it's, I'll, I'll tell you this much: it, he came close to breaking the plane, but I felt like he didn't break the plane because in order to do so, it has to. You know, there has to be, like, no angle on the bat, and there was still an angle, which kind of made me feel like he had checked it. I definitely didn't think he'd go. He went. Really tough call. I don't think that would have been the same call in San Diego. I think it was a Philly call, too. Right. I mean, it's, it, it, you know, it, it's just, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. The fact that, you know, some of these, uh, some of these reps, uh, especially once the pre or once the postseason comes around, decide that they want, uh, you know, they want to try and make the game all about them when it comes to, and it's not just in baseball, you know, you see it in a whole bunch of different sports. Uh, you see I think Angel Hernandez would be the worst. Yeah. Angel Hernandez would be the worst, I think, in any sport. Complete clown. Where, yeah, like you said, where the um, for the manager, or the, where the umpire or referee just makes it about them. I think it's horrendous when that happens. Football is pretty rampant with yeah. some, players, some people like that too. Football is pretty bad there too. Yeah, actually, How let me you... see. Go, go ahead, go ahead, Diane. Hunkies to me like that too. Yes, you can. Yeah, let me see real quick, actually, who was the umpiring crew? So Ted Barrett was the home plate umpire. Quinn Wilcott, Doug Eddings, Todd Tishenor. I don't recognize any of those names, actually. The only name I recognize, the only name I recognize is the right field umpire who was Lance Barrett. I recognize that name, but I don't recognize any of the others. So this was who knows? These could have been rookie umpires potentially calling their, uh, you know, their first, uh, yeah, their first postseason series. For all we know, yeah. then, but, then the mistakes are bound to happen. Yeah, but I, I mean, you know, this is an umpiring mistakes is not now. Well, yeah, not yeah. a postseason, right? Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, referees are going to make uh, or umpires are going to make mistakes, but yes, you can't be doing that. You can't do that. It's not now, though. That's just going earlier. Right. Right. When the preseason didn't matter. Oh, we have a tie game now. We have a tie. For Bryson Scott with a uh, with an RBI single. He's out second. at second, though. No, he's out at second. Is he still in the Padres or Yankees? Out, no. out. Yeah, he was, he was out trying to get to uh, Padres. Uh, this is game Phillies. four. 
James okay. Forrest on Fox. Fox. Yeah. But, yeah, you know, th- this is definitely a uh, – obviously a must-win game for San Diego at this point. Because, uh, you know, going down 3-1, I mean, they oh. still have a shot, but it's it's not really looking good. You'd have to be perfect, basically, for uh, for game, in both games uh, – in both games five and six in order to even extend it to a game seven. So, right. Uh, some other bits of news, uh, a bad sign for, uh, for the Yankees. Uh, if they were, if they were hoping at all to get Andrew Benintendi back at all this postseason, uh, according to Yankee manager, Aaron Boone, Andrew Benintendi has been said to be experiencing pain in a surgically repaired right wrist as he has been rehabbing at the spring training facility down in Tampa. And he ended up having to receive another injection to deal with the renewed discomfort. So from what it sounds like, uh, it sounds like he will appear highly unlikely to return to action. So he may possibly be done. Like if the Yankees somehow uh, somehow do the unlikely here and end up, uh, you know, winning four straight games. It appears unlikely yeah. that Andrew Benintendi uh, will be able to rejoin the Yankees this postseason. Mm. But you know, another thing, another thing too. Uh, going back to the Yankees series, say they do get swept. Mm-hmm. Does anybody think? That uh, that Boone will at the very least be fired. I hate to say it, but yes, if he doesn't win, if he doesn't win the series, uh, Steinbrenner is going to step in and say that Boone, you're gone. You had your chance. You haven't delivered. So um, now I I only say Boone though because I feel that Cashman yeah. may actually be safe. Because he has actually made moves, try and put the Yankees right. in a position to yes. to uh, you know to compete. Everything else lies on Boone, and Boone. I mean, let's be honest. He he. It, it seems like he has he has all the talent on his roster, but yet still can't find a way to manage that talent to its potential. Like trying to find a needle in a haystack. Yeah, so it's like I said, I'm trying to find a needle in Exactly. Right. Maybe you so, want to people up in the AAA system. Yeah, you know. It's, yeah, it's, but, it kind of just makes it, it kind of makes me wonder. Uh, speaking of yeah. AAA, you know, why haven't they taken a shot at least on Anthony Volpe? You know, why didn't they call up Anthony Volpe? Uh, um, yeah, you know, the, from the who's their, yeah, who's their who's their uh, prized shortstop from uh, Scranton, uh, right? Second base prospect. Yeah, from, from Scranton. From Scranton. Okay, yeah, I know. Yeah, because I know that team. So, why, I mean, granted, it would be it would be really tough for a rookie's first bit of action in Major League Baseball to be yes. in the postseason, but you got to have better options. Than 
exactly. than what they currently have out there at shortstop. So, I mean, you know, why not give the rookie an opportunity, see what he can do? I mean, granted, yeah, it's, it's a tough task uh, to throw a rookie right into a preseason or right into a postseason game and say, here you go. Yeah. That's a lot of pressure to put on, to put on you know, a rookie, too. I mean, yeah. sure, it's every player's dream to do it, but at the same time, like, uh, you want me to do what? I got to play a major league game in my life. You want to give me the World Series? Oh, boy. I'm in, I'm in deep shit now. I mean, we have seen it happen before. You know, the Red Sox kind of did it with Xander Bogarts back in 2013. Oh, yeah, yeah. They also kind of did it with Rafael Devers back in 2018. Well, actually, no, I think Devers was in the league for one year, I think, before, yeah. uh, before that. But, you know, they have done it before with Xander Bogarts. So, I mean, it's it just it all depends on on the player's poise, I guess, whether or not they uh, whether or not they're good mm-hmm. under pressure. Uh, some other bits of news around the league, though. It looks like Terry Francona will officially be back as the Guardians' manager next season, uh, mm-hmm. which is pretty big for the Guardians, as he ended up dealing with some health issues in the in the last couple of years. So it wasn't yes. really a given that he would return at all, but. Uh, he said that he does want to finish the job with a young team that ended up winning the AL Central and ended up taking the Yankees to five games in the ALDS. Uh, they gave all they got. Whole... Yeah, exactly. Uh, and Francona, you know, he holds a 845 wins, 671 loss record over 10 seasons at the helm in Cleveland. And nine out of those ten seasons, he's delivered a winning record. So, yeah. plus he's also climbing the all-time managerial wins list as he currently sits 16th with 1,874 wins. So, from what it sounds like, it sounds like he wants to try and at least finish out his contract uh, before making any potential decisions moving forward. Which I think is actually, I think it's a good move. You know, this season he's at least shown that he that he can still manage at a high level. I mean, many would many would consider him to be a potential contender for AL Coach of the Year. Yeah. I mean, Lou, what, what are your thoughts on Terry, what are your thoughts on Terry Francona uh, returning for for another season? You know, I was wondering about that because of the health problems. I don't know if he was going to be able to do that or not. So that's taking a pretty big risk. But if he's, if he's healthy enough, uh, you want to hear an argument from me. I mean, but, you know, considering also his age with the health problems, too, that could also be a factor. But right. why don't you give him one more, why don't you give him one more year? Well, I just want to get an argument from me. But I hope he knows he's getting himself into. I mean, does he also think that maybe he can, um, you know, get the Guardians further. I mean, they got to the ALDS, so maybe now he's thinking maybe they can take maybe the ALCS or World Series next year. I mean, can the Guardians, you know, be honest with something here? I mean, you know, are they really are they really that becoming that good? So, um, you know, there's a lot of things to Yeah, it's possible. I wouldn't have my breath on it, though, uh, but... 
I mean, uh, you know, obviously, depending on what they do this off season, you know, realistically, I could see them potentially finding their way, somehow finding their way into the ALCS next year, yeah. depending on what everybody else does. I mean, you know, if the Yankees end up losing out a, on... Yeah, it's hard to imagine. It's been about 150, 150 years since they won a World Series. You know, I mean... It's been long, right. and you know they're they're trying to they're trying to get somewhere. I mean, they had their chance against Chicago in 2016, but come on, Destiny was on the Cubs side, of course, this time. Right. Cleveland's had some chances. Cleveland had a chance in '97, um, you know, but they lost to the to the Marlins. Right, and you, and you know what? I, I think I think another big thing. Steve, I'm going to jump off for a little bit. I'll try to call back later, though. Thanks, Doc. All right, Alex. They right, had the game. They had game set in the bag. Yep. Yeah, they had. They had. Uh, they had one of the game. You know, one of the games in the bag. It's. Yeah. You know, I. I think what's also impressive too is the fact that they're in the middle of a rebranding process. You know, they're switching Ooh, over word. from the Cleveland Indians to the Cleveland Guardians, so it's necessary that. Or as I said, the gargoyles. Or the gargoyles. Uh, but That's you, you know, it's 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 necessary that they make it that they make a good first impression with their new yeah. with their new team, uh, their new team uh, brand and everything. So, I mean, it's you know, it, it was pretty uh, pretty imperative that they at least make a little bit of a statement in order to, especially to keep the uh, fan interest alive, and. Right. You know, this is this is a good way for them to do so this season by uh, making the playoffs and mm-hmm. you know not just being a one and done team uh, by advancing through the wild card going into the ALDS and almost making the ALCS. So yeah. I would say you know this was actually a pretty good season for them despite the fact that they no question uh, that they fell short. Yeah, but hey, I'm expecting them to go. That needs to that far. No, but uh, but Di- Diane, what are what are your thoughts on uh, on Terry Francona returning back for another season with the uh, Cleveland Guardians? If you don't think you're doing that, fine. Yeah, it's it's definitely it's definitely it's definitely. Uh, you know, it's it's good to see that Francona is at least healthy enough in order yeah. to in order to uh, continue his managerial career. I mean, it's not like he's Tony La Russa, who is it's very clear that uh, mm-hmm. you know his age is basically uh, is basically slowing him down out there, and he can't you know he can't continuously. Uh, go on to manage any more games. I mean, where, where it is, it sounds like they may be rehiring Ozzy Guillen uh, to be the manager for the White Sox, apparently. Because he's, uh, my understanding is he just had a uh, interview recently with Chicago to mm-hmm. potentially become their manager once again. And also, they did have uh, speaking of, of managers, uh, the Blue Jays, they officially dropped the interim label from the manager John Schneider 
and uh, he has officially been announced as their official manager as he was signed to a three-year contract that carries a club option for the 2026 season. Uh, He was a longtime member of the Blue Jays organization. He ended up being promoted to the bench coach job prior to this season, but he ended up taking over as interim manager when Charlie Montoyo uh, was fired back on July 13th when they had a 46-42 and record. Uh, but now, with, with Schneider coming in, he led the Blue Jays to a 46-28 and 28 record mm-hmm. for the remainder of the season, and they ended up capturing the top wild card spot in the American League because of that. Yeah. So, I th- it, you know, it's, it definitely, uh, it's definitely a well-deserved contract uh, for, for Schneider, and it'll be interesting to see what the Blue Jays can do with him moving forward officially calling the shot. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of managers as well, the Texas Rangers, they have found their next manager as Bruce Bochy, the World Series Series winner with the San Francisco Giants, is officially returning back to the bench. Uh, He received a three-year deal. Uh, hasn't managed though since 2019, but apparently he feels refreshed and ready for a new challenge. Uh, he'll be tasked with turning around a Texas team that finished with a disappointing 68 and 94 record this year. So, especially with all of that talent, I mean, you, th- you you know you Uh-oh. take a look at you take a look at all the players, Lou, that Texas yeah. ended up going out to get. This past season, or or I don't think we off season. Oh boy, yeah, San Francisco or I San Diego Juan Soto. Juan Soto, that's why they got him. Yep, that's definitely why they got him. Exactly, and he's showing it now. Yep, that actually actually hang on. Let me bring up the transaction list here for let's see, season by season because it's very interesting when you take a look at the at the players they brought in this season. I mean, just taking a look here real quick. Yeah. I mean, they brought in Marcus Simeon. They brought in Corey Seager. I mean, you know, j- just some of the names that they brought that they brought in with multi-million dollar contracts. You go out and you invest so much into this team, only to finish with a well below 500 record. You know, it's 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 almost it's almost like you can't buy yourself a team, basically. Yeah. And it kind you know it kind of brings it kind of brings brings forward uh, the question you know is it better to build a team from scratch with uh, through the draft or is it better to try and go and and acquire you know, big league talent through free agency. 
because, I mean, obviously Texas went out and did the free agency route, and their investment did not pay off at all this season. So, I mean, regardless, it's definitely uh, it's definitely a very disappointing season. Yeah. But maybe perhaps with Bruce Bochy as their new manager, maybe he can sort of he can sort of provide a little bit of a spark. Yeah. For this uh for this team. Uh let's see. We do have yeah. a new basketball uh we have a new basketball season starting up. And Lou, I gotta Lou. tell you we talked about the 76ers earlier today. They are in a yeah. of trouble. Ah, come on, it's really It's only two games. That's not a season. You can't it's go three by that. games. If it was like mid, it was like mid January or into February, and they had a record of like uh, 12 and uh, 42. Yeah, that ain't worried about. Oh and two. Ah, come on. Anybody can bounce back from that. But I did well, pose a question. I don't know if you heard it earlier on my show. Um, What's the bigger concern, the, uh, the Sixers 0-2 or the Lakers 0-2? And the majority said that um, it would be more of a shock uh, that with the Phillies, with the uh, Sixers 0-2. Well, no, well, yeah, that's what, that's what I said. The 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 bigger, uh, you know, the bigger shock would be the Sixers because this yeah, is I don't know team. if you heard the question in time. Oh yeah, no, I did, I did. Uh, okay, you know the. And I, you know, I ended up saying earlier that I felt that with the Sixers, I mean, yeah, grant, granted, you have, uh, you know, grant, granted, you uh, they ended up facing the Celtics and the uh, Bucks with their first two games, but yes. you know, there's still obviously, obviously, there's still time to maneuver things and and you yeah. know adjust. But now tonight they lost to the Spurs. Yeah. They lost 114 to 105 at home. Yeah. San Antonio Spurs. Well, it's no more than ridiculous uh, being blown up by 37 points a playoff game if you were the Suns and you lost to the Mavericks. But I know that's a different story, True. but still, I mean, now that's, a, now that's an embarrassing loss at home. My God. Like the Nets, uh, how they lost. Um, to the Raptors at home, they didn't just lost. They got their ass whooped. I'm like, this is this is embarrassing. Yeah. yeah. Hey, you know, another, another thing too about the about the Nets as well is the fact that apparently Joe Harris isn't at a hundred percent, like a lot of people thought he would be. Uh, it all. I think they're definitely missing the fact that they no longer have Bruce Brown as well. Yes. Because Bruce Brown, all of a sudden, for some reason, has been lighting it up this season so far in the couple of games that he's it's played. Point last night. Yeah, he had, like, what, a 20-point a uh, game last night, I think it was? And help with the game winner. Yeah, I mean, it, it was definitely I, – I think, I think the Nets are definitely missing uh, Brown. Yeah. So like I said, it's early yet. I mean, it's it's no it's no time to go with the panic button. I mean, oh, and the Nets are one on one now, so they did bounce back from that whatever you want to call it on Wednesday night. I wasn't I wouldn't even call it a game much. It was like, ugh. 
Well, at least right. he rebounded nicely. So yeah, and their next you know, game, their next 0-2 game 0-2 is in against... basketball is not like zero two in football or in college football where you know, like your your back is against the wall already. I mean, this is a long season, so you know they do have time to you know uh, catch up. Zero two in any two game season is hardly anything to be concerned about. Oh no, no, it's it's not anything to be concerned about. Uh, you know, there's obviously there's plenty of time to you know, to, to get things moving, but it's not right. a good start, though. Now, no. the Lakers, but on you the have, other But hand. you and I know the media well, and you know the media's going to harp on already, like, oh, it's 0-2, off the, off the worst starting years, and it doesn't look good right now. Like, oh, you shut up, all right? Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, definitely. I mean, the media, the media harps know. on all this when it gets to a bad start. People, it's two right. games out of the E2. Come on. Right. Now, the Lakers... Yeah. The Lakers, on the other hand, oh boy. Mm. as I said as I said earlier today, their big problem is they're an older group. You know, right. it's not like it's not like they're the Celtics, for example, who have a nice mix of old and, and young players. Right, they right. have. I mean, their their top players. LeBron is thirty seven. Patrick Beverly is 34. Anthony Davis is 29. Russell Westbrook is 33. And literally those are the guys that you're trying to rely on in order to, you know, put together a winning season. But even 29 in the NBA is not really that old. You know, some might think no. That's really no, not. but at the same at the same time though, you're kind of reaching, you know, that's basically what's supposed to be the prime of your career, where you're at your peak right. level of performance. And honestly, you know, it, it really seems like Anthony Davis. I mean, yeah. he put up 25 points last night, uh, 25 points and eight rebounds. As part of that uh, part of that performance, and actually Lonnie Walker was pretty good last night too. Twenty six points, uh, three assists, and three rebounds coming over from the San Antonio Spurs. Uh, LeBron, you know, LeBron was LeBron. Twenty points, ten rebounds, six assists. Russell Westbrook, though, his only two yeah. points, his only two points came from two free throws. And he only had four assists and three rebounds. He did have five steals, though, but he was a minus six for the whole game. Patrick Beverly, I mean, Patrick Beverly wasn't any better. He started, and he only had five points. So, you know, there's definitely some serious problems. I mean, this is to the point where they went with – they had to dig into their deep bench and bring out the likes of Matt Ryan, who they had signed off of a training camp deal. And when you have a bench that has Matt Ryan and Kendrick Nunn as mm-hmm. as two of your, you know, obviously, you know, you have a sixth and seventh guy. With which for them was Austin Reeves and Juan Toscano Anderson. Which I mean, honestly. That's pretty weak to begin with. I mean, Toscano Anderson yeah. had eight points. That's fine, but Austin Reeves only had four points, 
and then you're relying on Matt Ryan and Kendrick Nunn to be your eight and nine guys. I'm sorry, wow. but really, the Lakers are in trouble. They are in yeah. big trouble. And I mean, it's easy, it's easy to say that with them being zero and two, but there's a difference between an zero and two Lakers team and an zero and two Sixers team. Yes, there is. The Lakers are in trouble. I'll just put it that way. Oh, we do yeah, have already. Uh, uh, we we are now tied once again. Reese oh, Hoskins no. with a two-run homer off of Sean Manaya. Kyle Schwarber. This is turning into quite a game. Uh, yeah, this is uh, this is starting to turn into home run derby, actually. Yeah. From what it looks like here. But, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, needless to say, uh, like I said earlier, it's it's different when you have a, a team like the Sixers starting out bad compared to when you have a team like the Lakers starting out bad. And, it's, yeah. you know, if it's, if it's any indication, the Lakers are probably not going to improve. What do you think happened within the, in this two years? I mean, two years ago they won the championship, and all of a sudden, right now, they're just this is not the same team that just that won the championship. What happened to this such a short time? Roster turnover. Uh huh. Injuries and roster turnover. Well, injuries, of course, plays a big part of it, but roster turnover, yeah, that's yeah. But I think mostly the injuries, I think, you know, did him in and haven't recovered. I mean, when you think about it, uh, I this team. So wait, was it was it the twenty nineteen? It was the twenty nineteen twenty twenty L A Lakers, right? Yes. Or was it the twenty nineteen twenty twenty? Okay, it yeah. was the COVID season. Okay, yeah. So uh, they had. Let me give you a list of who they had on that team. Uh, I mean, obviously, you have the usual. You have Anthony Davis. You have LeBron James. Uh, mm-hmm. They had Kyle Kuzma, JaVale McGee, Dwight mm. Howard, Danny Green. Uh, hell, I'll even throw Jared Dudley in that equation. Alex Caruso, Contavious okay. mm. Caldwell-Pope, Avery Bradley, oh, yeah. Pope. Quinn Cook, J.R. Well, let's face it, J.R. Smith only comes out of retirement whenever – uh, the playoffs are about to begin. He never, he, yeah. he's never really a big part of the season. Uh, but uh, you know, Taylor Horton. Well, I'm not even going to include Taylor Horton Tucker. He just sucks, anyways. I mean, you I, look at those names, and then let's go on to the next season after that. You go from those names to have it. You end up losing Rajon Rondo. Yes. You end up losing uh, – actually, no, Kuzma was still there. You bring in Wesley Matthews. Matthews didn't really do anything for you. You bring up, you no. bring in Dennis Schroeder. Dennis Schroeder had a big year, but then he decided, nah, you know what, I want to go and uh, – I want to test out the free agent market because I believe I'm worth more than I say I am or more than and also my Europe. record or than my play shows I am. You had Marcus Saul, you have Montrez Harrell, 
you know, honestly, the, the, the 2020-2021 Lakers roster doesn't look bad at all. I think their main problem no. was injuries. That will kill you anyway. Yeah, I think their main problem was injuries. But then you go well, to – you go to last year's team, and last year's team doesn't even look anywhere near no. the same uh, roster that Flat they had. Crap. I mean, you you obviously you bring in Carmelo Anthony. I'll just I'll just, I'll just bring down the list of all the of all the different players they had last year. You had sure. Carmelo Anthony, you had Trevor Ariza, you had DJ Augustine, Kent Bazemore, and let's keep in mind some of these players didn't really play that much, with the exception of uh, Carmelo. You yeah. you had Avery Bradley, you had Darren Collison, obviously you had Anthony Davis, you had LeBron, you had Dwight for another uh, another tour. Uh, before he eventually, I think, got dealt or he got released. Uh, then you bring in Stanley Johnson. I mean, you know, it's these aren't the same. And also, they brought in Isaiah Thomas for a couple of games as well. Uh, you know, yeah. these aren't the, this isn't the same roster that they had when no. they won the title. So, no, I guess not. No. I know a lot of people will say that it was that that championship shouldn't count because it was a COVID shortened year and there were some players. Oh who didn't come want on! To play. Give me that. A championship. Yeah, championship. Not, yeah I, I don't think I really agree with that whole thing that it, you know no. there should be an asterisk next to it because it's uh, it happened during COVID. I mean, like you said, when. You, you know, you you basically uh, you play you you're playing the game regardless. Yes. Ooh, ooh, oh. what is this? Apparently, we had man, we had a brawl take place uh, just a little bit ago between the Miami Heat and the Toronto Raptors. Oh. Hang on a minute. I need to see what the hell just happened here. No. Okay. So, uh, it looks like a Raptors player got knocked out of bounds. And as he's getting up, there was a Miami Heat player who was standing above him. And then the Heat player ends up tackling the Raptor player to the ground into the crowd and I don't know if punches were thrown or whatnot, but uh, I'm trying to see it right now. Basically, there's a whole okay, bunch a, a whole bunch of players started crowding around the area, uh, yeah. trying to right trying now. to separate the two. And the wow. Phillies have now taken a seven six lead. RBI double for Bryce Harper. Oh man. You know what? This might look like this may potentially be the year of the Phillies. Who would have thought? With how this I mean team, with how this team is coming together. A far cry from back in the spring when they hired Girardi as manager. They were seven games below five hundred, they fired him, and look where they are now. Right. 
Hey, what a collapse by Sean Manaya here. You know, this is, this should have been easily, you know, you know, this should have been with the, the way the momentum was going that this, yeah. this series would likely be tied. But now it looks like we're headed, it looks like we're headed potentially for a three, one series lead. If Billy's momentum continues here, the way it is, by the way, it looks like, it looks like the brawl involves Caleb Martin. And I'm trying to see, I think it was Coloco of the Raptors. Yeah. Coloco, I don't know if he tried to give Martin a headlock or something, but then Martin basically, basically Spoloco into the into the stands. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I don't know what. I don't know what's happened as a result of that. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna go. I'll pull back in next week. Oh, okay. Well. Thank you for calling in, Diane. You're welcome. Thanks, Diane. You're welcome. Have a good weekend. So, yeah, it's a wild scene, Lou, right now in Miami. Uh, yeah. This is definitely something. Let me see if I, – I would assume that both have probably been ejected. Uh, but let me see what we have here. So – it was Caleb Martin and Christian Coloco. Uh, it does not. Oh, okay. I see what this is. This was Caleb Martin trying to assert his dominance over a rookie. That's what that was all about, basically. And he he's also the same guy who tried to injure Scotty Barnes last year as well. So this is definitely... Okay, so yeah, Caleb Martin got ejected. Uh, wait a minute. Okay, I, I, maybe both of them got ejected. I don't know. I, I, I'm receiving, you know, I'm receiving two different updates here. I, I've, I'm seeing that apparently Martin got ejected, but also Coloco got ejected. So right. I, I can't tell if both of them. Yeah, okay, yeah. Caleb Martin got ejected, and it looks like Coloco also did too. So, And the Heat were up okay. by 22 when that happened. Okay. They're now up by nine entering oh. the fourth quarter. This shit hit the fan there. Yeah, needless to say. And some of some of the other scores currently around the league. Uh, some finals, obviously, we talked about the Spurs, one fourteen to one hundred five victory over yeah. the Sixers. Uh, the Pacers, they have a one twenty four one fifteen victory over the Detroit Pistons. The Boston Celtics with a one twenty six one twenty win over the Magic. And by the way, that score is now eight to six Philadelphia on an RBI single. All right. Keep it up, though. Uh, let's see. The Cleveland Cavaliers with a 102-86 to lead over the Chicago Bulls with about eight minutes to go in the game there. The Milwaukee Bucks with a 102-80 to lead over the Houston Rockets with about ten minutes to go in the fourth quarter. Uh, 
early in the second half in Dallas. Dallas with a 68-42 to lead over the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder and Denver Nuggets. It's a one-run lead for the Nuggets. Actually, no, it's tied up now, 45-45, with about 3.53 to go in the second quarter. And still to play tonight are the Clippers and the Kings, which actually should be tipping off any time now because the original start time looks like it says it's supposed to be 10 p.m. So, you know, uh, needless to say, Lou, looking at the early standings, I mean, granted, it's only been, you know, two or three games so week, far. Yeah. yeah, but some of the early uh, standings here, you have teams like the Boston Celtics, the Atlanta Hawks, the Washington Wizards, uh, and probably assuming that this score stays the way it is, the Milwaukee Bucks, all undefeated yeah. in the Eastern Conference early on. Uh, You have the Brooklyn Nets and the Toronto Raptors currently uh, rounding out the top six with the play-in teams uh, being the New York Knicks, the Chicago Bulls, the Charlotte Hornets, and the Indiana Pacers. In the Western Conference, though, you want to talk about surprises, Lou? A team with so much roster, I mean, obviously too early, yeah, but a team with so much roster turnover this offseason, yeah. the Utah Jazz are 2-0. and The Utah Jazz, yeah. having, lost, having lost both uh, both Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell, are 2-0, and Gobert. and... And they are the league leader in points per game through the first two games of the season. As well as they're the league leader in assists per game with 33 uh, assists per game. They beat the Minnesota Timberwolves 132 to 126 uh, yesterday. And let's see, what was their other win? Their other win was over the Denver Nuggets, 123-102. to And keep in mind, the Nuggets are not a bad team. The Nuggets are supposed to be one of the top teams in the West this year. So, I mean, granted, it's very early on, but I think, I think – uh, you know, we may have to look out for uh, for the Utah Jazz being a potential, uh, you know, a potential big team in the Western Conference this year. But mm-hmm. uh, we do have we do have Utah, we have Memphis, we have Portland, uh, New Orleans, and mm-hmm. we have the L.A. Clippers currently uh, on yes. the in in the Western Conference, but obviously very early on in the season, the season literally just uh, San Antonio, virtue of their win today, is also in the top six uh, with Denver, Golden State, Minnesota, and Phoenix all in where where the play-in tournament would technically be as of now. But, I mean, Lou, just, just taking a look, I mean, granted it's very early on here, but uh, who do you think are going to be uh, some teams to watch out for potentially in uh, in the NBA this year. I think you said the Grizzlies. Um, I think I keep my, I think I keep my eye on the Nets. Um, I think I think I see something here. Um, 
and this, uh, the Celtics, I think, may have something going as well. So it's really it's going to be kind of – the West is a little bit hard to figure out. I think maybe the Suns will try to make a run again. The Mavericks look strong from uh, – I see a specialty upset. Uh, let's see um, what with the Bucks maybe, although I wish I didn't. And uh, Warriors, okay, a little shaky now, but I think they got enough to get to the um, – at least the second round, the second round of the playoffs. So um, I care that. You can forget the Kings. You can forget the Wizards. Oh boy, um, you know, even even with the Wizards, Wizards starting out two and zero. Yeah, I'm not selling it just yet. I know my co-host, my know my co-partner is not agree with you that, but they always find a way to bomb out. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. You know, the Wizards every time they start strong, for some reason, everything yeah. always seems to collapse, uh, especially exactly. in the post especially in the post-John Wall era, uh, mm-hmm. or as we call it, the Bradley Beal era now. Uh, I think you, know who I'm, you know who I'm very interested in seeing how they do is the Atlanta Hawks. With the, oh, acquisition, yeah. of, with the acquisition of DeJuante Murray this offseason from the San Antonio Spurs, and you add him to the likes of Trey Young, Clint Capella, uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich. I mean, they're, you know, they have a pretty young team there in Atlanta. And from the looks of things, I mean, they have their first two wins are over, granted, it's Houston and, and Orlando. But, I mean, they, they do have a pretty easy schedule early on in the season. Uh, but I think they could potentially, as the season moves forward, be a team to potentially keep an eye on in the Eastern Conference. Uh, Boston, you know, granted this may just be a ho- uh, me being a homer, but, you know, because I'm a, I'm a huge Boston fan, uh, I'm pleasantly surprised right now with how they have come out uh, to start this season, especially with no Robert Williams, uh, Al Horford was out tonight, and they somehow were able to outduel the uh, the Orlando Magic, uh, especially with Orlando's uh, young young hot rookie uh, Paolo Banchero, who actually, believe it or not, he is the first NBA rookie uh, since LeBron James did it all the way back with Cleveland to start his NBA career with a stat line of at least 25 points, five rebounds, and five assists in his NBA debut. So, granted, I mean, it's very early on in his career, but, you know, if if Paolo Banchero is putting up those type of numbers early on and being, and, you know, being in the same category as LeBron James, I mean, that's a pretty good comparison to start off your career. And let, uh, let me bring Alex back in. Uh, Alex, we're ta- we, we've been discussing uh, teams that we can potentially look, at, uh, look, uh, look out for this year in the NBA, with the NBA season having just started. Uh, and all of a sudden we got into a uh, – talking about Paolo Banchero and how he's being compared to LeBron James early on in this season. Yeah, he had a historical uh, first game 
best game since LeBron's debut, I believe. Yeah. He's definitely yeah, he's one of the best really, young players in the world. Yeah, he's the only he's the only rookie to have put up that stat line since LeBron did it back in uh back in Cleveland. Yeah, he's great. And if you you recall he was it was debatable whether or not he should have gone number one, but looks like the right move now, that's for sure. Oh yeah. If it's yeah, a young definitely, court, no, I, definitely without a doubt. And Jalen Suggs has been kind of a question mark. So they still need. It looks like they still need a point guard. They have a couple yeah. of decent point guards, but uh, Franz Wagner, Wendell Carter, they have some good, really good uh, young pieces. Suggs, I like I them. Injured, They're just so he? young. What's that? I think isn't isn't Suggs injured? Yeah, he just sprained his ankle. He's just I don't know. He didn't look that great last year. He's not not shooting great. No. Well, but they have a great uh, young front uh, line. I'll tell you, Paolo Banchero had another pretty good game tonight against the Celtics. 23 points, 5 rebounds, 3 assists. Uh, He was one of their top two scorers, uh, him and Terrence Ross. Ross had 29 points. Uh, But the Celtics were able to outduel the Magic tonight with a 126-120 win over 40 points from Jason Tatum uh, with the Boston Celtics. And uh, it was 126 to 120, Boston. Oh wow! At the end of the at the end of the third quarter, the score was tied up. I think at like 94 points apiece. Wow, that's awesome. At the at the half, it was like 68 to 68. So there was wow. like you could you could argue there was no defense being played in this game whatsoever, or the game was so fast-paced that it caused such a high point total. Boston's looking really good so far. Yeah. So far, yeah. Uh, even so especially far. without, especially without uh, Robert Williams too, with Robert Williams being sidelined for the first two months of the season. But I, I, I'll tell you one thing: the biggest, the biggest difference that I've seen so far that gave Boston problems in the NBA Finals last year was their lack of a bench. Now they have they have multiple uh, multiple contributors off the bench. Grant Williams, Malcolm Brogdon, both had 13 points tonight off the bench. Sam Hauser had nine points in meaningful minutes tonight off of the bench. He went three for four from three-point uh, three range. And obviously, there's a there's a couple of others who have also contributed. Uh, I mean, granted, it's very Noah early on. This is only the Noah Von, Noah yeah, Noah Von 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 kind of his career. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah, nice bench, Grant Williams, taking sports. the next Grant Williams, taking the next step, and uh, Brogdon's a great player. That's that's a, he's a tr- he's a good starter, let alone a great bench player. Yeah, Vonley was actually forced to start tonight because uh, Al Horford. Obviously, they're playing. They were playing a back-to-back uh, tonight, having just played last night, and they didn't want uh, Horford playing back-to-back games. So Noah Vonley got the start uh, at center tonight in place of Horford. I mean, he didn't really do much. He didn't really do much, only 2.3 rebounds. But, I got, you know, it's just more of uh, not having to put Grant Williams out there right away. 
Yeah, and he's he serves his purpose. He plays defense and rebounds. They they already have two elite scorers, and Brogdon has some scoring. So plug, he's a good uh, addition for the Celtics. He's underrated. Tonight though was the coming out party for uh, for Derek White. Uh, twenty seven points uh, starting. Twenty seven points, four rebounds, four assists. I think he shot like 65. I think it, I think they said it was 65 point or no 55.6 percent from three. Uh, probably his biggest uh, his biggest point total since joining the Celtics uh, in the middle of last year. Mm-hmm. Wow. But I'll tell you though, you know, it, it really seems like a lot of people were wondering what would the what would the big change be moving from Ime Udoka over to Joe Mazzula as their, as the head coach? It doesn't really look like there's really been much of a shift. The it was smart for them to keep playing. it, uh, keep the change internal and they're, they're, they're still on the same page. Don't, you know, they didn't have to fix it because it wasn't broken. They just, they had to make a move, but they, they made yeah. the safe choice and it's paying off so far. If you brought right. in some radical, if you made some radical move, it could have shaken the whole thing up. No need to really change it. They're already a really, really, really good team. And right. the players are already familiar with him. Players know him, and he already knows the system. Uh, the one thing I do want to see, though, I want to see them give Sam Hauser maybe a little bit of more, a little bit of more playing time. Because yeah. he only had where, nine points tonight. Where did he play in college tonight. again? Yeah, he's a good, uh, good-looking player. How, yeah, Hauser, he played for Virginia. Nice. He was a terrific player in college. I remember. I, I, yeah. I forgot where he was. Yeah. Yeah. He can this rotate his, uh, a little bit. He's a good. He's a good eighth man. Yeah. This is his second. Uh, his second year in the league. Uh, he had nine points tonight on uh, in seven minutes. He had six points last night against Miami in thirteen minutes. Uh, and he was yeah. also he was also pretty good during. Uh, during the preseason, as well, granted preseason is preseason, but you know he, he seems like a, a lot of people were scratching their heads why he was given a multi-year deal in free agent or you know during during the off season, and the big uh, explanation was he was going to be looked at as a vital bench player, and so far. I mean, granted, it's been, he's seen limited minutes, but assuming he gets yeah. to see more playing time, so far he has produced off of that bench, and that could be a huge difference for Boston moving forward. Yeah. Always good to have depth. They're, 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 they got a great shot to, to get back to the finals again. Like you said yeah. before, they're also missing Robert Williams. He's a real impact player too. So they're probably only, they're only going to get better in a few months. Yeah, no Robert Williams, and they had no they had no Al Horford tonight. I mean, granted, it's granted mm-hmm. it's the Orlando Magic. You know, it's the Orlando Magic. You're expected to beat the Orlando Magic, but exactly. But they also beat Philly, and they beat Miami in the first two games. Two teams that normally give them such headaches every season, and yet. It seemed like Boston essentially handled both teams with ease for the most part. Right. So I think this is definitely, I think uh, as far as the Eastern Conference goes, Boston is definitely a team that people are going to have to watch out for this season, especially 
with the fact that they it, it seems like they have not skipped a beat, whatever, going from right. uh, Ime Yudoka over to Joe Mazzula. So Absolutely. I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised. I granted this is very early talking, but I wouldn't be surprised if Missoula is potentially in line for a potential Coach of the Year candidate. Absolutely. If they absolutely if things continue the way that they do, start as you could ever imagine. Now over in the Western Conference, though, I am just stunned. Now, granted, like I said, it's very early on, but I am just stunned that with a team that has gone over so much roster turnover, like Utah, and Utah is two and zero to start off the year, and it's not like it was by slim margins. They blew out both of their well. They won against Minnesota by six, but they blew out Denver by like twenty. Wow. I mean, it's just it's just stunning, honestly, looking at some of the uh, at some of the stuff. NBA is all over the place. The Spurs just beat the Sixers by ten in Philly. Yeah. Uh, like yeah, you said, the Jazz you know, that's had a huge too, opening. Uh, the, the Jazz were awesome opening night. It's totally uh, very hard to bet. I don't want to say I'm uh, an example, but uh, no comment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, you know right. Alex, we talked about that. We talked about this earlier. Uh, is it a concern that Philly is starting out zero and three? Yeah, there's something off. I'm not. I'm definitely not a James Harden fan. There's yeah. some weird chemistry issue going on there because they're very talented and they're just they're flat. They're not really playing well. I think it's in, quietly internal. I, I really think James Harden's kind of a hate to use the word kind of a cancerous player. He just I don't know. Yeah, something's. I don't know how much Embiid likes him or Doc Rivers likes him. They're kind of like saddled, like strapped to him, handcuffed with his contract. Did so much to get him, they felt forced to resign him. And he's, I don't know, he just, he plays like he's lazy. I don't, I don't, I'm not a fan of Harden. You know, it kind of makes you wonder. It kind of makes you wonder, could Doc Rivers potentially be on the hot seat if things yeah. don't start to get yeah. better moving forward? They're 0 3. So. They just got no they were trailing trailing the entire Saturday afternoon to the the Spurs at home. It's pretty pretty weak uh going by Philly. Well they, they didn't no look bench. they didn't look as good as uh who'd they lose to? They lost to the Celtics too, obviously. Celtics just yeah. look like a better team. But yeah, they Philly's just they look like they put up Boston. more of a fight though. They look like they put up more of a fight against Boston compared to what I yeah, saw today. Harden was probably at the strip club late night last night. He's he's a clown, right. I think. I don't know. There's something off. I don't think Embiid likes Harden either. I don't know. They don't seem like they have good chemistry. They should be able, they I should mean, be 0-3. So something's going on. Embiid had 40 points. I mean, just taking a look at some of the totals there. Embiid had 40. Maxi had 25. Embiid – oh, okay, never mind. I was going to say he had a triple-double, but then I looked and I saw only three assists. Uh, Harden, well, I'll say this about Harden. He wasn't really shooting well today. He went four for 18, but eventually after, you know, he, he ended up with 12 points, but he did get 12 assists as well as nine rebounds. So it looked like 
it seems like Harden shifted once he realized he wasn't really getting his shot off. He shifted over to more of a playmaker sort of uh, sort of style. Here's the big problem, though. Montrez Harrell, zero points oh. off the bench. DeAnthony Melton, who had been a contributor off the bench the first two games, zero points in 15 minutes. Danwell House, two points in 16 minutes. Wow. I'll, I'll say this. I'll say this. The only bright spot off their bench was George's Niang, eight points in 15 minutes. I mean, that's not really saying much, but he at least did something. Matisse Melton's Tibble, a good player. I like him a lot. But uh, Harold just, like, plays no defense, even though he's, like, rough and rugged, yeah. like a big guy. Uh, he has yeah. empty stats. Like he just doesn't really do anything. There's, I think that's the but, reason why he's bounced around. He's been on like four teams already, five teams. So I thought that was kind of an yeah. overrated addition. But Melton's really Matisse, good. House, House, Matisse yeah, they're, Tibble they're only House. saw. Matisse Tibble only saw three minutes tonight. Yeah, he should be playing more. He gives effort and he plays defense. Unlike yeah, half of the roster. One of their, he's supposed to be one of their top defensive players. And you have him out there for only three minutes. Yeah, that's weird. And they can't even outscore I mean, the Spurs, who are – the Spurs are, like, almost tanking. They just traded their best yeah. player, Murray, and they go into Philly and beat him by, like, nine or ten. Pretty pathetic for the you uh, have, Sixers. You have Devin Vassell and Keldon Johnson putting up 22 and 21 points on on your team. You have – Doug McDermott and Josh Richardson outperforming your entire bench. Uh, there's something wrong right now going on in Philly. And, yeah. you know, I would honestly, I would be very concerned if I was a, if I was a fan of the Sixers, I would be very concerned moving forward here because Absolutely. It just seems like there's no execution whatsoever. No, they really don't. There's something uh, off in Philadelphia. See. And maybe Doc Rivers' oh. head's going to roll because of it. Oh, here we go. A Schwarbaum by Kyle Schwarber. The center field. Nine to six. Out of hand. Uh, we have. I think San Diego has a problem. Yeah, I always thought it was Houston had a problem, but now it's San Diego. Oh, oh boy. Yeah, they officially have a problem. Sorry. All right. Uh, moving on to perhaps maybe the biggest piece of news in sports this week: the San Francisco Forty ers Thursday night dropped an entire bomb on the NFL as they acquired Christian McCaffrey from the Carolina Panthers in exchange for Carolina's second, or in exchange for San Francisco's second, third, and fourth round picks in 2023, as well as a fifth rounder in 2024. In my opinion, this is a steal. Yeah, this is a steal. Yeah, absolutely no first-round pick. He's an all-world talent, and he's still like 27 or 28. What is McCaffrey? Yeah. He has to stay healthy, uh, but he's not old. 26, I think, actually. Yeah. I think he's 26. 
So I've always said that San Francisco has been missing one thing. They've been, they've been missing a running back. Well, they now got their running back and then some. Because not only can McCaffrey be the be the the you know the top running back, but he can also fit in as a slot receiver as well. Yeah. Yeah, you add the versatility so, of Debo Samuel now too. They can do a lot of different yeah. things. I'll tell you one thing: uh, San Francisco just got scary in the uh, in yeah. the NFC. It's gonna come down to Jimmy mean, G, but yeah, they have all the pieces. Right. Yeah, obviously it's it's going to come down to Jimmy G at this point and whether or not he can execute. But I mean, you got Debo Samuel, you have Brandon Ayuk, you have George Kittle, and now you add Christian McCaffrey. Yeah. I mean, my God, McCaffrey is about to go nuclear in this offense. Yes. And this is the best. This is arguably the best designed rushing offense in the league. Absolutely. That is never shy about targeting running backs. So the totals that McCaffrey was getting in in Carolina, they are about to skyrocket. And by the way, he's active for tomorrow against Kansas City. Nice. That would be a fun game to watch. So, I mean, right now the, the Niners sit at 3-3 three and three in a pretty wide-open NFC West. They have the opportunity to take the bull by the horns and run away with this division right now. If they can, if they can put together a winning game plan and – be able to utilize McCaffrey, they could potentially run away with the NFC West at this point. On paper, they have arguably maybe the best offense out of that entire division. The only yeah, I would take so. The only wild card, of course, is Jimmy G. Yeah. And I think the Rams have regressed. They're, uh, they don't look the same. I'm still shocked they beat the Bengals. I think the Bengals should have won that Super Bowl. But, yeah, that's the Niners division, I think, for sure. Yeah, the Rams, it's, I'll say this about the Rams, it's Super Bowl hangover, I feel. Absolutely. I think, I think, that's, the, I think that's the big reason. Yeah. Is it's a Super Bowl hangover, basically, for them at this point. Yeah. But, yeah, you know, Christian McCaffrey entering, uh, entering this week, he currently stands – at two rushing touchdowns, 393 yards on 85 rushing attempts, uh, which is good for about an average of 4.6 yards per rush. Uh, let's see, does he have any? He does have a receiving touchdown uh, this year so far as well. So he, he's been doing both catching and rushing as well uh, to start off the year here. Let me just. Let me bring up the – okay, so so far he's had 33 catches this year, good for 277 yards and one touchdown with an average of 8.4 yards per uh, per catch. As far as – wow. I already said the rushing numbers. 
Expect those to increase, especially if he can stay healthy. And by the way, it looks like Noah Syndergaard is in uh, at pitcher for the Phillies. So uh, this could potentially be over here between Philadelphia mm-hmm. and San Diego tonight. Wow. Well, you never know. But it looks like there, Philadelphia has taken a commanding lead so far. Yeah. I mean, runs are gone. Yeah, you know, in bunches. You never know, but still, it's you know when you're putting in a starter to be uh, to to do to put in some relief innings. Yeah, it's, yeah, not uh, a good it's, it's not a good omen for for the opposing team. So, omen <laughs> never good. I think I think the Phillies could potentially have this, and if they take a if they take a commanding three one series lead. I mean that's going to be a tall. It's doable, but it's going to yeah. be a, it's going to be a tall mountain for uh, for San Diego to climb here. Absolutely. Uh, I didn't actually want to make it this serious. To be honest with you. What what was that, Lou? I really didn't want to make it this series. Yeah, you know it's it's weird because. These aren't two teams that we were expecting to be there in the NLCS this right. year. Everybody was expecting, oh, maybe we would see Atlanta versus LA again. And right, somehow both of these teams were able were were able to uh, to pull off monumental upsets when you consider the uh, when you consider you know the records of their opponents yeah. in the NLDS. Uh, looks like that's it for Syndergaard, actually. Uh, he only went one and a third innings in relief here. So, uh, a one-out runner on first in the top of the seventh. It looks like David Robertson is coming in for uh, for the Phillies. Wow. What's the score right now? Uh, nine to six right now for nine Philadelphia. Wow. Uh, elsewhere in the NFL, uh, we have two bits of controversy to talk about. First, we'll start off with the ass hat known as Daniel Snyder. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. There was quite the ruckus that was made in the, uh, in the NFL this past week, where Colts owner Jim Ursay uh, told reporters that he believed that there was merit to remove Commander's owner Daniel Snyder, and Ursay said that he believes there will put, there potentially will be at the very least twenty vo- the twenty four votes that are needed to remove him, uh, and he even said he can invest. I know he has dirt on a lot of people. He can investigate me until the cows come home. It's not going to back me off. Basically, that's a translation of saying, yeah, everybody already knows I'm a cokehead, so, you know, there's not really much more that you can dig up about <laughs> me that anybody's going to really be surprised about. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, I mean, it's it's one thing to get this sort of talk from sources, but for another owner to loudly proclaim this, it basically it? points out the – well, it was – you know, just the fact that Jim Irsay 
has basically come out and said that there is merit to remove Dan, uh, Dan Snyder from the uh, from the ownership position of the Commanders. You know, it's 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 one thing wow. to have this come from from uh, league sources, but for this to come from uh, from another for another owner to loudly proclaim this to the media. I mean, that's an entirely different thing. And it actually strongly points to the fact that Snyder's ownership tenure is in real jeopardy. If an owner is, is uh, going to come out, proclaim this right out in the open, you've got to think that there's definitely, there's definitely serious consideration that owners are going are gonna to vote to remove Snyder. Yeah, Snyder's the real black sheep of the league. He's, they they got to yeah. remove him some. Real dick. And now Snyder has been, Snyder has come back and basically yeah. said nobody fucks with me, and or nobody should fuck with me because I know. I dug up basically. Uh, you know, there was a report that said that he he has a lot of dirt on multiple owners in the league, and even Roger Goodell himself, which kind of begs the question: how much of a you know how how much of a Pandora's box are we looking at here? If Daniel Snyder, uh, if they try to remove Daniel Snyder from his position. What could potentially come out about about the NFL itself? You know, how much corruption could we potentially finally be could could finally potentially be exposed? If Snyder is claiming to have all this information, he's clearly using it or trying to use it as leverage. Long been a lot of rumors. That guy's just a complete jerk. I think uh, the NFL will be better off once uh, Snyder's out of the picture. He I apparently charges mm-hmm. like eight, 60 bucks or something for parking or for training camp. The guy's just a total idiot, real jerk. For training camp? Moron. Something, something, maybe not 60, but something crazy. He, whatever he can, Jesus. he really gets over on the, on, the, on the fans, and it's a terrible yeah. team. And the guy's already worth like tens of millions of dollars. Right. Complete, oh my God. Not complete. even not even the Patriots charge that much. It's something ridiculous. I know it's the most in the league, I think. Yes. I've read some crazy stuff about him. Ticket pricing's awful, parking's awful. And the guy's one of the richest owners in sports. He's just a complete prick. I mean, not even the Patriots do that. And you and you know the type of prestige that that, that they have. Yeah, not even the Patriots do that. They don't even have to put a good product on the field, too. They, you should give the fans a break. He, like, gets over on them, and they're an awful team. <laughs> exactly. I mean, and it's, it's bad enough that you already had, you already had this, uh, this investigation about harassment and all this stuff come up. And now you're basically trying to strong-arm the rest of the league. Yeah, I mean it's you know it's it's not really a good thing for. Yeah, he's trying to blackmail the league basically. In order, yeah, to, I in order to keep his team. Awful. 
He's a clown. But honestly, you know, he could make a pretty huge profit if he were to sell the the commanders. He could make a pretty huge profit compared to what he had probably paid to buy the team. Yeah. But yeah, he could. That could that could happen. But still, you know, I mean, th- this is just. It's, it really seems like now we're entering, we could potentially see a potential standoff between the NFL and Snyder. And it'll, you know, it'll be interesting. Clearly we know that we know now that Jim Irsay is on the side of the NFL and the rest of the owners, but you kind of have to wonder how many God. other owners are on the side of uh, who, who's on the side of Snyder and who's on the side of uh, of the NFL. Right. And there it is, strike three. Phillies get out of the gym Oops. here. You're behind me, I forgot. Yeah. For some for and some reason I'm behind even though even though I'm on even though I have Fox on, for some reason I'm behind. I don't know why. Maybe you guys scared I'm I was watching on H D. No, I'm on HD. Hmm. Well, maybe because our phone is our phone. I think it's deleted, so you know, maybe it, it could be anything. I don't know, but yeah. uh, then we had we had a, another scandal come up this week. This time involving Jerry Jones. Uh-huh. Uh Apparently, there has been a Jane Doe who has come out and accused Cowboys owner Jerry Jones of sexually assaulting her. And this kind of makes me laugh because I I really don't think uh, an owner would be stupid enough to do this. He apparently sexually assaulted her in front of Cowboys players. And not just in in front of Cowboys players, but in front of his own wife, apparently. Who was this? Jerry Jones. His own wife. Okay. Yeah, a Jane, a, a, a Jane Doe, uh, somebody who, who doesn't wish to be named, has accused no. Jerry Jones of forcibly kissing her without her consent on or about September 16, 2018, in the Tom Landry room at AT&T Stadium with a, with a butter knife and a candlestick. I know I'm I know I'm going a little bit too far with the uh, with the extra stuff like we're <laughs> playing a game of Clue, but you know what I mean. Got the knife. It's it's like the, it's like they keep on adding on different they keep on adding on different details here. Uh, she also accused Jones of sticking his tongue in her mouth and forcibly grabbing and groping her. In court papers. Uh, Doe says the room was full of witnesses when the alleged assault happened <laughs> and that she believes the people in the room allegedly included former Cowboys head coach Jason Garrett, running back Ezekiel Elliott, Tyrone Crawford, yeah. Tyrone, and other prominent Cowboys players. In the alleged list of witnesses, Doe also named Cowboys defensive end Demarcus Lawrence and Eugenia Jones, who is Jerry Jones's wife. <laughs> now I've heard everything. Says that the plaintiff reportedly has nightmares about what Jerry Jones did to her, 
He has trouble focusing on completing day-to-day tasks at work yeah. and at home. Plaintiff gets nervous around men and has trouble being alone. It has trouble being alone with men. Plaintiff cries often because of what defendant Jerry Jones did to her and does not want any other women to experience such assault. Okay. If this is even true, why do you wait until now? Yeah. I don't get that. Yeah. Suspicious. Very. And this has been tied a little bit over to Dan Snyder because part of one of the owners that Snyder apparently had dirt on was Jerry Jones, and he said, and he felt that, and I quote, he felt he quote unquote lost Jerry. Lost. No, Jerry is lost. So with this report coming out shortly after. Daniel Snyder claiming that he had dirt on not just Goodell, but also the NFL owners. Kind of makes you wonder, is this a shot being thrown by Daniel Snyder? Yes. I mean, think about it. Wouldn't you think that if a woman, wouldn't you think that a woman would want herself to be known if yeah, because we we know we know how people want their fifteen minutes of fame. You know, we want we we know how people want to uh, you know want their name in the papers and everything, especially if it involves uh, such a rich man like Jerry Jones. I mean, to me, this just this just is very suspicious, especially considering the fact that it involves Jerry Jones's wife. You mean to lead us to believe you mean to lead us to believe that this is legitimate. Wow. And this one is gone. Jason Leo Luto this time. Ten to six. My God! I mean, uh, you know, I, I'll I'll just I'll put it I'll put it like this right now. I think I think we are looking at a three-one series lead for Philadelphia. Maybe. Just to get back to the line of scrimmage that time, that was almost like a jailbreak backfield for the whole Washington defensive line. So we have we have two scandals. Uh, Hitting the NFL this week. There's never and a dull moment. No, there's no. never a dull moment. And obviously, you know, there's probably going to be more information that I assume is going to come out. Uh, oh yeah, I would this. think. Yep. Wouldn't surprise me. Uh, some other bits of news, some injury news actually. Carson Wentz, he is out four to six yep. weeks after being placed on injured reserve. Uh, after fracturing his finger against the Bears, uh, and after meeting a hand specialist in Los Angeles, he's expected to undergo surgery to repair his fractured ring finger uh, as a result of it. And now with Wentz sidelines, they have gone with Taylor Heineke over Sam Howell to uh, to start in one. I always like Heineke, which I think is a, I think it's a good decision. I liked Heineke back in the day. He he played well in spurts yeah. for them. Yeah. 
They I have agree. plenty. No, they I, have I, they I, have a good running game. They have a good. They have Clorin, Curtis, uh, uh, Scary, uh, Scary Terry, Curtis Samuel. Yeah. Dobson mm-hmm. from Penn State. They have a good defense. I thought Henneke could be a good uh, solid quarterback to kind of be like a Garoppolo, just to, like manage the game. Wentz is way too right. erratic. He'll lose more yeah, for you than manage a game. I was. I, I'd like Heineke healthy. Healthy. I, I'd like still like Heineke over Wentz. Right. I, you know, I was very surprised that they replaced Heineke with Wentz this offseason. Give him a shot at least. Give him a full season. Right. Right. You know, I was. I, I was just. I was just very surprised that they even acquired Wentz uh, when you know they had they Heineke, have? who didn't. Heineke didn't yeah, look if you, like he did if that you look bad. at their roster, they they have a talented. They have a, some really good players. If you look at their roster, they just need like a smart quarterback. And Wentz is just so up and down; it's mind-boggling. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's Very. it's like how much longer? Even even if Wentz wasn't injured, how much longer could he possibly go this season before they determine? Okay, yeah, we we have to we have to stop this charade from from going any exactly. further here. Like enough's enough with the guy. Well, yeah. I mean, we I know we discussed it a few maybe last but recently on your show as a group. Um, I mean, once he had Frank Reich, like the guy, like the, their best friends, he recruited him out to play for him in Indianapolis, and he lasted one year, and they got rid of him. So that tells you all you right. really sadly all you need to know about Wentz. And then Snyder, I guess, has always been a, fascinated by him. I, I know they, they, the Redskins back in the day wanted to draft Wentz when the Eagles came up and got him. Mm-hmm. Touch, obviously. So Snyder orchestrated the whole Wentz to Washington thing. Another great uh, feather in, in Snyder's hat. Yeah, well, you know, apparently with Wentz, uh, he apparently wore his welcome out very quickly. Uh, with Frank yeah. Reich, yeah, he wouldn't he wouldn't uh, listen to to suggestions on mechanics. He would uh, break play calls, do his own thing. He's, a, right. he's just a diva. That's who he is. And then Washington yeah, took a good I mean, idea. Yeah. Snyder Snyder made that move. Rivera can deny so it all he wants. It's, you know, yeah, he's not going to come out and say it. Doesn't really, you know, there, there wasn't really going to be much of a much of a change if if Wentz had stayed in Indianapolis for another year. You know, there wasn't really going to be you, – you weren't going to see an improvement, basically. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, elsewhere in the league, Russell Wilson uh, is receiving an MRI on his hamstring, and he is out for the very least for tomorrow's game against the Jets. Which means yeah, that uh, their backup, their backup Brett Ripien will come in and basically put up the same amount of points that Russell Wilson would have put up anyways, <laughs> which will be probably right, uh, right. fairly low. So, uh, you know, it's, they, they basically aren't missing Russell Wilson essentially here. And Denver, Denver has an awesome defense. So, I, again, maybe the DraftKings thing for me, little uh, couple pesos on the under there. That could be like a thirteen to ten game in Denver. Jets versus uh, Rippin. I could see that. I could I could see it being a low game. Uh, I do think. Uh, so the way I've seen uh, Rippin 
throw the ball, though, he's very erratic with that ball. And I'll tell you, one potential for a lot of picks by that Jets exactly. defense, potentially, uh, tomorrow. Jets are much improved. It's, it's good to see. Yeah. They've been a, yeah. a laughing stock, and they have a lot of good fans. That, you know, they're, they're almost like the Mets. I don't know. The Giants, it's amazing that the New York teams are finally good again. Yeah. You know, that's why I said earlier today I'm more impressed with the Jets uh, this season as opposed to the Giants. The Giants, all the Giants needed was a competent coach that knew what he was doing. The Jets, they needed an all-around improvement. And very slowly they've started, you know, year by year, they've started building what would be potentially, uh, you know, their their next contending roster. Not saying they have it this year, but uh, they're they're at least making progress enough to where it was it was surprising that they've gotten to to the point to where they have what a four and two record. Yeah, just went in and beat up on the Packers in Lambeau. They've uh, yeah. they've had a few really good drafts. Joe Douglas has really turned it around. Garrett Wilson, Brees Hall, Sauce Gardner. They have some really talented right. young players. Not just that, but also uh, their young wide receiver, Elijah Moore, has apparently requested a trade. But according to Ian Rappaport of NFL Network, no chance. The, Jets, the Jets have no plans to move him. As, uh, he, was, he was absent on Thursday for personal reasons, uh, but now we now know that that reason was no longer wanting to be on the New York Jets. And ever since they reinserted Zach Wilson under center, his usage has absolutely spiraled downhill. Ever Which since. is amazing. He so, was, you guys remember, he was really highly touted uh, coming out of college, like kind of a good young sleeper pick. And then right. uh, as the Jets have gotten suddenly – very respectable overnight. He's just like been totally forgotten about. Strange. I yeah. thought he'd be, you know, a key part to their uh, resurgence. Yeah, that's what I thought too. I thought he would be one of their top receivers, especially with the, uh, totally. especially with the progress he made last year. You know, I th- I really thought he would have been one of their top receivers, and then all of a sudden, you know, once Zach Wilson came back from injury this year, it's like things have completely gone downhill for him to the point of where he only saw one target last week. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, I don't think they'll move. I don't, it's too early. It's second year. I, yeah. I don't know. I'll, I'll be interested to see what he does tomorrow. If he's, I don't know. He's making a lot of noise. He wants to get a trade, I guess. But we'll see if they actually uh, honor that. They don't have to. He may not even play. He may not even play. Yeah, that's what I heard. They might uh, deactivate him. Yeah. Uh, Let's see. Some other bits of news. Uh, Hollywood Brown has a non-surgical fracture in his foot, and he will be out for about six weeks. I believe they officially placed him on injured reserve. Uh, Yeah. So, obviously, he'll be out for a minimum of four weeks, but – from right now, it looks like it's actually a minimum of six weeks uh, that it that it shows here. 
Uh, and from what it's not, it, you know, initial reports have suggested that he could have a season-ending injury. So at least this is at least a little, this is at least a little bit of good news for Arizona, yes. who got a huge win over the New Orleans Saints on Thursday night football this week. For once, we had a game that didn't absolutely suck. Kind of rare for Thursday night. Yeah. yeah. Kind of rare for a Thursday night game this year. <laughs> yeah. I had to throw that in. Maybe we'll, so we'll at least get one good Thursday night game this, this season. That's a, that's a nice thing. Yeah. Yeah. Be lucky if you get one good game a season on Thursday night. My Thanksgiving <laughs> game. Well, I mean, next week we're going to be getting Baltimore and Tampa Bay, so. Not bad, not that. bad. I got to give them one of these streaming services. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there, you know, there is that. We'll have at least Baltimore and Tampa Bay to look forward to. Uh, obviously, uh, Monday night we have New England and uh, and Chicago. The Bears. The Bears suck. And actually, let me see. Uh, oh, wait a minute. Never mind. That's, it got me all confused. I'm on ESPN right here, and it got me it got me all confused for a second. It said New England and the Jets. Uh, and I thought I thought they were saying it was Thursday, but no, that's actually uh, that's actually next Sunday. Um, Right. But speaking of New England, though, it looks like uh, Mac Jones is on the track to being the starter for for uh, Monday night against against the uh, Chicago Bears. I'm surprised they don't stick with uh, the rookie. I mean, I know again though it's going to be tied to money and the first round status. You got to go back to Mac Jones, right? But this young guy's proven. They're both young, but the new guy has looked pretty darn good. Right. What do you think? Don't you think he should still start, or what do you think? Well, I mean, I look at it this way. If Mac is good to go, then, yeah, Mac should be the starter. But I think he should probably have a short leash. So if he puts up another one of those games where, okay, he's having, he has more interceptions than he does touchdowns, or he's having trouble, you know, he's having trouble driving down the field, then yeah, bring Zappy back in. But uh, it looks like, uh, according to the latest update from Doug Tyed of uh, Pro Football Focus, uh, he was also formerly from uh, New England uh, Sports Network as well. Uh, he said last I, the latest I heard from a source on Patriots quarterback Mac Jones was that he's pushing to play Monday night, but the team was undecided if they want to put him out there if he's still not at 100%. So, I mean, there's still a possibility that maybe perhaps he may not play. However, watching the watching uh, some footage from practice, it really looked like he was back to the speed that he usually runs. I mean, it didn't look like he was being tampered at all during practice by the injury. Right. So, however, I would not be surprised, though, because we, we know we know how Belichick is when it comes to he wants to keep everything a secret. Yes, we do. Uh, we don't know exactly how he is. I would not be surprised yeah. if they if they decide to stay with the hot hand and keep 
uh, Bailey, keep Bailey Zappi in there. Because the team has seemingly rallied around Zappi. I mean, I hate to get, I hate to make this comparison of Brady and Bledsoe uh, with Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi, but mm-hmm. you know, it really looks like this team Ooh. has really well, Ron, rallied around Bailey Zappi. Well, round pick was he? Because it's interesting. Right after you first rounder, then the next year you bring in this guy, kind of inviting yeah. a little bit of a con- kind of inviting controversy. Well, I think a lot of it had to do with, I think Belichick wanted to, A, not just challenge uh, Mac to, you know, take his uh, take his play to the next level, you know, so that he isn't resting on the fact that, oh, he's the definitive starting quarterback. But I think also uh, they wanted a little bit of insurance because of the fact that, oh, Brian Hoyer is your backup, and Brian Hoyer hasn't played meaningful football in years. Okay. So if anything ever happens to Mac Jones, are you going to want Brian Hoyer in charge of your offense, or are you going to want somebody who, you That's know, true. could potentially do something? And we saw what happened once, once they put Bailey Zappi in there. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. And they said they did say too that Bailey Zappi exhibits a whole lot of comparisons to Mac Jones when it comes to preparedness and everything. So yeah, uh, there's you know there's definitely a lot of uh, there's definitely a lot a lot of uh, I, I think I think it's safe to say we may have a bona fide. Uh, Quarterback competition. Yeah, moving forward here between the page, uh, between Mac Jones and uh, Bailey Zappi. Uh, we do have a little bit of uh, breaking news here uh, involving the world of hockey. Uh, the Nashville Predators ended up losing defenseman Mark Borowiecki uh, after taking a hit along the backboard tonight. In their game against the Philadelphia Flyers, uh, looking at the replay here, it's weird. He got sandwiched between the Flyers player and and, th- and this comes after he hit the board himself. He hit right. the board, and player comes along and hits him. You know, trying to basically because they were both making a play on the puck, and the Flyers player ends up hitting him. And Mark Borowiecki basically went limp on the ice to the point of where his arms and legs were all laid out and everything. Uh, So the Nashville Predators have released a statement uh, as of about 40 minutes ago that says, when Mark Borowiecki left Bridgestone Arena, he was conscious and had movement in all of his extremities. He has been transported to Vanderbilt University Medical Center for further testing and observation. We will share more details on his condition as they become available. If you want to. I mean, I mean not for that's kind of very gruesome. Yeah, Tim. Go ahead. No. Well, it, it, just, it just seems like it was an ugly sight. Uh, from what from what I'm seeing here on the on the replay of this hit, it's it's weird. It just looks like a regular hit, but 
all of a sudden, like it's it's not like he got knocked out or anything because there was no yeah. contact with his head. Well, I mean there was minimal contact with his head, but a majority of the contact came on the on his side. So, but it's weird though because when he when he's laying down there, it almost looks like he's been knocked out. Yeah. By the way, it looks like Flynn will be coming in for the Philadelphia Phillies for the ninth inning as he is currently warming up in the bullpen as Philly looks to try and shut down uh, game four here. Uh, Let's see. Moving over to hockey, by the way. A couple of things here. First, uh, goaltender Matt Murray has been placed on long-term injured reserve by the Toronto Maple Leafs as he was expected to start against uh, the Ottawa Senators, but he ended up leaving the morning skate following the first series of drills after consulting with goalie coach Curtis Stanford. Uh, He is expected to be out a minimum of four weeks. He had made 19 saves in his Maple Leafs debut, which was a 4-3 to loss at the hands of the Montreal Canadiens last Wednesday after being acquired in a trade during the offseason with the Ottawa Senators. And the long-term injured reserve stay is due to an adductor injury. Uh, also... Also, uh, we have a long list of injuries here, actually. Uh, Tyler Bertuzzi for the Detroit Red Wings will be out four to six weeks with an upper body injury after he blocked a shot by uh, Ryan Graves of the New Jersey Devils last week, last Saturday in particular. Uh, Bertuzzi, before the injury, had one assist and four shots on goal while averaging 13 and a half minutes in ice time in two games for Detroit. Uh, Last season, he was second on the wings in goals with 30 and points with 62 in 68 games. So that's a pretty significant loss uh, early on this season for the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, Let's see. Rasmus Ristolainen was placed on injured reserve this past Monday due to a lower body injury. Uh, after missing the first two games of the season with an undisclosed injury, he ended up leaving practice early on the 12th, which was the day before the season opener. But head coach John Tortorella had said that the injury was something that was a lingering uh, issue. So it looks like Ristolainen will be on the he'll be on the shelf for at least the first four. Uh, at least the first four weeks, it sounds like, of this season. Uh, he had 16 points, two goals, 14 assists, and averaged around 21 and a half minutes of ice time in 66 games last season. Uh, Nick Schmaltz is out for, uh, six to eight weeks for the Arizona Coyotes with an upper body injury. Uh, the center ended up leaving Arizona's season-opening 6-2 loss to the Pittsburgh Penguins on October 13th after he played just 2 minutes and 26 seconds in the first period. His 59 goals, or I mean 59 points last season, 20, 23 goals, 36 assists, were an NHL career high, 
and second on the Coyotes behind Clayton Keller. So that, uh, regardless, is a pretty significant loss for the Coyotes moving forward here. Uh, and also, Alex Ayafalo was placed on injured reserve with a lower body injury this past Tuesday after he mm-hmm. left late in the third period of a 5-4 overtime win against the Detroit Red Wings on Monday for the Los Angeles Kings. Uh, he ended up having an assist to extend his, extend his season-opening point streak to four games with two goals, three assists before the injury. Uh, last season with the Kings, he had 17 goals and 20 assists in 79 games played. So Kings pretty much are now starting off the season yeah. missing uh, one of their top third-line players. And actually, looking around the league to start off the year, uh, there's kind of a few surprises, I feel, right now to start off the year. Uh, Looking at a couple of teams here, the Pittsburgh Penguins, despite being an older team, they lead the Metropolitan Division right now with a 4-0-1 record with nine points. Philadelphia is in second with four, with a, a four and one record for eight points. Uh, the Rangers, meanwhile, are in third place with a three one and one record, good for seven points. And Carolina and New Carolina, New Jersey, and Washington are all tied for fourth place in the Metropolitan Division with six points apiece. In the Atlantic Division, you have Jim Montgomery, the new head coach of the Boston Bruins leading Boston to a 5-1 and one record within their first six mm. games, good for 10 points, uh, atop the Atlantic Division currently, followed by Toronto with a 4-2 and two record, Florida with a 3-1-1 and one record, and you have about the entire rest of the division is tied for fourth place uh, with six points total. So between Buffalo, a five-way tie between Buffalo, Detroit, Ottawa, Tampa Bay, and Montreal right now in the Atlantic Division. Over in the Western Conference, the Dallas Stars uh, currently lead the Central Division with a 4-0-1 record, uh, followed by St. Louis with six points, uh, Colorado and Nashville both with mm-hmm. five points. Col- Colorado is a little bit on the rocky side to start the year uh, to start oh. off their Stanley Cup, the, their Stanley Cup defense. I got it. Colorado on the rocky side. Oh boy! Wow. Yeah, it's uh, wow. you know what? I didn't even notice the pun there actually. Lou, I, I did. I, I know what you're pointing out. I did not notice the pun. I that was not. Uh, that was not intentional on my part, but I know, I know, uh, but I, 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 I knew, I knew someone was gonna come out of that. That'd be something I would, that'd be something like I would have said. Yeah, never yeah. mind. Yeah. yeah, I do my own jokes. Eek. But uh, over in the Pacific Division, uh, the Vegas Golden Knights under new head coach Bruce Cassidy are currently out to a four and one record atop the Pacific with eight points. Right. Then you have Calgary, Seattle, and L.A. both in a tie, a three-way tie with six points to start off mm. the season. Uh, a three-way tie for second place there. Oh. And then you have 
you have Edmonton with four points, followed by Anaheim with three, and Vancouver and San Jose in the basement with only two points. Two. Start off. And actually, Vancouver is winless to start off the year. Yeah. So, I mean, the Sharks only uh, got their first two got their first point on Thursday. Yeah, and they've they've already played seven. With my games. Rangers. Yeah, they've only played seven games too. But they've played the most so far, I think. They have, yeah. Right, and I in saw, terms of in terms of goals scored, there is one team that leads the league right now for goals scored, and that is the Boston Bruins with 27 goals. And just needless to say. I, I, I mean, obviously, I'm a, I'm a homer for Boston here, but I will say this right now. I think Boston may be a team to watch out for in, the, in that Atlantic division under new coaching in Jim Montgomery. I have seen a drastic difference this year compared to last year with Bruce Cassidy. Yes, yeah, Steve, the in way you described the former regime. That you you described the, the old catching staff seems like a much better step in the right direction now. Yeah. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, I, I can already point out uh, there were certain instances, like for example, uh, in the season opener against the Washington Capitals, the Bruins got out to I think it was like a three nothing lead, and then mm-hmm. Washington scored two. In oh. previous seasons, under oh, Cassidy, Boston would have Boston would have absolutely wilted, and they would have probably they would have probably Got crumbled it. to where Washington would have taken the lead. Boston instead instead endured, and did not allow uh, Washington to score any other goals in that game. And a matter of fact, Boston went on to score two more goals to win that game. Uh, with five goals. But just from what I've seen, I mean, this this coach has a guy, a guy like Nick Foligno, who only had two goals the entire season last year in a very uncharacteristic season for him. He already has three goals to start off this season. It really, it just seems like, uh, it it just seems like Jim Montgomery has taken this team and has uh, and has gotten them to play a much more aggressive style of gameplay, as opposed to what we've seen from previous Bruin teams. Sounds a lot better. Yeah, players love that too. They're responding. Yeah, I mean they brought back uh, they brought back David Krejci, who spent a season overseas last year because of the fact that he didn't want to play for Bruce Cassidy. He didn't want to play anymore yeah. for Bruce Cassidy. They bring him back, and it's almost like he never even left. Wow, nice the move. team is the team is basically saying basically playing the same exact uh, you know it's it, it's like the same exact chemistry basically. With him back on the uh, back on on the roster, 
And we have a three to one series lead with a ground out by Profar. A three one series ah, lead. The Phillies are one win away win from away. the World Series. Uh, Harry B. Trout. Wow. And this ties everyone the in the NL Maybe the Mar- maybe the Marlins are next. Washington Nationals, this- Braves, now the Phillies. Everyone but the Mets can win can win a ring recently. Yeah, and this now ties the largest comeback win in franchise postseason history in the 1980 World Series and the 2010 NLDS, where they trailed four to nothing after the first inning tonight. This ties the franchise record for the biggest postseason comeback for the Phillies. And a stat, only 15% of teams, 14 out of 91 teams, have overcome a three to one deficit to win the series. So in terms of in terms of the uh the odds of the Padres, it's not looking good in terms of uh of the Padres potentially coming back. I mean it can happen, but the not the like Phillies it. really have a stranglehold right now on this series. Oh yeah. So it could be both series wrap up tomorrow. The win goes to Brad Hand. The loss goes to Sean Manaya after Manaya absolutely crumbled. And just like that, we may be looking at a Philadelphia Houston World Series. Yeah. Maybe the unlikeliest of World Series matchups out of any of these, uh, out of all the teams that we well, have. Well, how unlikely? Because I think I think there are people who predict who predicted the Astros to go. Phillies, not so much, but uh, Astros, that's not really surprising. It's sickening, but not surprising. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 not really surprising on the Astros part, but I think I think more of the fact that the Phillies are even in the conversation to begin with. I know. Nobody thought that mid-May. It's like you know, like I said, twenty-two and twenty-nine. Don't have a prayer. Don't have a prayer in hell. Uh, you know, beginning where near near the postseason. Look what happened. Right. Like, yeah. I guess hell really did freeze over. Mm. You know what's the yep, crazy part? No. Go, go ahead, Alex. <laughs> oh no, I said apparently. Yeah, Luke's right. Hell, hell apparently did, did indeed uh, freeze over. Yeah. Yeah. That could but be the only possible explanation. You know what the crazy part about all this is, is that if the Phillies win, Joe Girardi will get a will get a uh, a World Series a World Series ring. And <laughs> the Phillies manager steps like, okay, we made a mistake. We shouldn't have fired Joe. Uh, yeah, sorry, uh, you know, and uh, yeah, kiss my ass. <laughs> well, I just find I just find it funny though that. Uh, you know, they they probably believe, you know, there's no way that we're going to get to the World Series here. Uh, I mean, never mind the World Series. Know, with, about a, a winning season, the way that we're going. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, there's no way we're going to have a winning season uh, at, the, at the rate we're going right now. And then all of a sudden they bring in Rob Thompson, and all of a sudden their, their season completely turns around. Right. So, 
it's definitely you know th- this is this is definitely a, a a pretty big development uh throughout uh major league baseball and who knows by the end of tomorrow we could have our world series matchup it's probably good now if it does end early do you think they'll move up the world series or probably not uh, no, it looks like the World Series is currently set for the to begin on the 28th, from what it looks like. Friday. Friday. Yeah, so regardless, regardless, it'll be the 28th yeah. that it'll start. Well, thank you, MLB, for screwing up this major league season. <laughs> right, and actually, as a matter That's what started, fact, uh, you know, based on their own stupidity. Yeah, the latest the latest that the championship series will go will be the 26th if somehow the Yankees can come all the way back and force a game 7. Doubtful, but it can be done. Still very doubtful. Yeah, still very doubtful obviously, of course. But it can be done. Uh let's see a couple of scores around uh around the league in in hockey tonight. Uh, some games still ongoing. Uh, first off, the Buffalo Sabres with a 2 to nothing lead over the Vancouver Canucks with about 17 minutes to go in the second period. The Colorado Avalanche with a 2-1 to one lead over the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, goals by Nathan McKinnon and Rodriguez in the uh for, for Colorado and Jonathan Audi Marchessault with the goal for the Golden Knights uh, off of the power play. And by the way, the two goals by the Sabres were by Rasmus Dahlin and Alex Tuck to begin the uh to begin the first period uh for for uh, Buffalo. In the second period, the Carolina Hurricanes and the Calgary Flames are tied at two apiece. Uh, goals coming from Sebastian Aho and Calvin DeHaan for Cal- Carolina, while Calgary has goals from Brett Ritchie and Nazem Kadri to uh, Kadri. to keep to have the game tied at two apiece. Uh, finals from earlier today: the Boston Bruins with a four to three victory over the Minnesota Wild in overtime, off of a power play goal by Taylor Hall his third of the season. Uh, Boston also received goals from Nick Foligno, uh, Nick Foligno, David Pasternak, and Hampus Lindholm, uh, while Minnesota received goals from Brandon Duhame, Matt Boldy, and Jared Spurgeon. Uh, Linus Olmark picked up the win, while Marc-Andre Fleury took the loss for the Minnesota Wild. And speaking of the Devils, Lou, uh, the Devils did pick up a victory, improving to yes. three and two on the season with a two to one victory today. Uh, Yegor Sharangovich and Dawson Mercer both had the goals for the Devils, while Kevin LeBanc had the lone goal for San Jose. The win went to Mackenzie Blackwood. Uh, the loss went to Capital Kakinen. Blackwood's a good goal. Uh, I'll give you that. Right. Um, another final from today, St. Louis with a 2 to nothing shutout uh, by Jordan Bennington uh, over the Edmonton Oilers. 
Corey Krug and Justin Falk both had the two goals for the Blues. Uh, let's see here. Uh, hang on one second. Let me. Uh, we have a six to two final between the Ottawa Senators and the Arizona Coyotes. Uh, Ottawa with goals from Shane Pinto, Josh Norris, Brady Kachuk. Brady Kachuk actually had two goals. Uh, Tyler Mott and Mark Kastelik, uh with goals. The win went to Anton Forsberg. The loss went to Karaj Vejmelka for the Coyotes with goals by Dylan Genther and Clayton Keller. The Toronto Maple Leafs with a 4-1 victory uh, over the Winnipeg Jets off of goals from John Tavares, David Camp. Uh, Tavares actually had two goals uh, and Michael Bunting with uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois scoring the lone goal for the Winnipeg Jets. The win went to Ilya Samsonov and the loss went to Connor Hellebuck. Stars with a 5-2 victory over the Montreal Canadiens, receiving goals Mm -hmm. from Joe Pavelski. Uh, Pavelski had a hat trick, actually, for Dallas with Asa Lindell and Jason uh, Jason Robertson scoring the other two goals uh, with Ottinger picking up the win. The loss went to Josh Allen, or Jake Allen, I'm sorry, uh, and Mike Hoffman and Arbor Zakach got the two goals for the Montreal Canadiens. In our nation's capital, the Washington Capitals with a 4-3 to three victory over the LA Kings off of goals from Nick Dowd, John Carlson, Lars Eller, and Marcus Johansson with Darcy Kemper picking up the victory in net. Uh, Sean Dersey, Philip Deneau, and Victor Arvidsson had the goals for L.A. with Jonathan Quick taking the loss. The Tampa Bay Lightning improved to 3-3 with a 5-3 victory over the New York Islanders off of goals from Braden Point, Brandon Hagel, Corey Perry, Paul, and Alex Kalorn with Brian Elliott picking up the win. Uh, New York had goals from Matt Martin, Anthony Beauvillier, and Ryan Pulak with the loss being taken by Ilya Sorokin. The Pittsburgh Penguins with a 6-3 victory over the Columbus Blue Jackets with Tristan Jerry picking up the win for Pittsburgh and the loss going to Elvis Merzlikens. We had goals from Josh... Yeah, Elvis has left the building, exactly. And Thank you very much. Columbus at, the, Columbus at the rate they're going, maybe they may be leaving the league. Um, right. Just like we had, we had two goals from Danton Heinen uh, of the Penguins, also goals from Sidney Crosby, Brock McGinn, uh, Jan Ruta, and Josh Archibald. Uh, for Columbus, we had goals from Boone Jenner, uh, Jack Roslovich and Kent Johnson. 
and the Flyers with a three to one victory over the Nashville Predators. Uh, yeah. Or Carter Hart picked up the win. The loss went to Yusei Saros. Uh, we had goals from Kevin Hayes, Zach McEwen, and Joel Farabee with the lone goal for Nashville coming from Matt Duchesne. So, needless to say, a very early start to the season, but safe to say NHL hockey is officially back. About time. Yeah, exactly. It is. It is definitely about time. I don't know um, if they see a, a, a repeat of champion, but you know, I don't no, think I learned to know how it. No. no. Honestly, I don't know if I really see. I don't really see uh, the Avalanche. It's, no. it's they're not off to a good start to begin with. So. Right. It's normally when you get off to that bad of a start. I mean, it's not really a bad start. They're, you know, they're 2-2-1, two, two and one, but it's not really the start you're looking for from a defending Stanley Cup champion. So, uh, needless to say, it's, it's a rocky road so far for uh, the Colorado Avalanche to start off. Yeah, but we got, we got a way to go, though. Uh, going back to the NBA, actually, uh, we do have uh, one bit of information I forgot to bring up here. Pistons assistant general manager Rob Murphy is apparently on leave following allegations of inappropriate workplace conduct. Mm-hmm. And if anybody remembers, we've already seen this take place previously this, this uh, offseason with the Phoenix Suns. Uh, owner Robert Sarver yes. being brought under fire for things to, with things uh, similar to this, and apparently, so the inappropriate workplace conduct comes with a female, a female former employee of the organization. Uh, the investigation is expected to conclude by early next week, if not sooner, according to sources that told Yahoo Sports. Uh, Murphy ended up being elevated to assistant general manager and president of the Pistons G League team, the Motor City Crews, just last month. Uh, He is a Detroit native and a former head coach of Eastern Michigan. Uh, Says here that according to sources, Murphy has been away from the team for over a week after the team was notified of allegations from a former employee who was let go earlier in the year. Uh, ESPN, obviously, of course, was the first one to report this news. But, uh, you know, regardless, though, this is a, uh, you know, we kind of discussed this uh, previously with the Phoenix Suns involving their, you know, their owner, and it kind of seems like it kind of seems like this may be, you know, we talk about how this may open up Pandora's box, basically. It already has. To where maybe we may see more cases come out all around the league, and so far, that's what we're seeing. Mm-hmm. 
Um, in particular here, it says here that uh, the Pistons ended up declining to comment about this, and head coach Dwayne Casey said he didn't right. want to address internal affairs before their game in New York last night. And this is also uh, coming in uh, on the heels of the allegation involving uh, the Boston Celtics suspending Ime Yudoka for an improper workplace relationship with a female subordinate. So is it just me or does it kind of seem like maybe we're now going to start to see more of these, uh, more of these things pop up? Oh, this is just the beginning. I mean, we're going to see, we're going to see this, you know, you know, it's, it's, it's a domino effect. One one happens and it happens and another and another. So this is the only thing in the beginning of it. I'm sorry to say that, but you know, yeah, that's all it takes. One incident and then everything else fall, you know, falls in that same path. So don't be surprised if we see more of this. What are your thoughts, Alex? Yeah, I like what Lou said. I think it's the first of many. Once it starts going on like this, the dominoes will start falling. Yeah, it's. Uh, I told you so. We could we could potentially see many more cases come out involving uh, involving workplace conduct of of some sort, and I wouldn't be You're surprised. You're supposed to set an example for your employees. Right. Yeah, exactly. You know, you're supposed to set an example, and it, it really, it really does seem like, you know, this is basically opening up that rabbit hole, essentially. You know, it's opening up Pandora's box. So, obviously, we'll see what happens moving forward when it comes to this, but I wouldn't be surprised at all if there's more that comes out. Uh, Elsewhere, uh, Charles Barkley apparently has agreed to a new 10-year deal to remain with TNT for his his NBA on TNT coverage. Uh, The deal is worth around $100 million. Uh, He currently has three years left on his contract that pays him $10 million per season, so, basically, it seems like this will be added on, or actually, no, maybe, yeah, maybe this just gets mixed in with his current deal. So, instead of three years left, now he has 10 years left on his deal. Yeah. But that's how so, he's years old anyway. So, it does say here that his current contract coincides with TNT's agreement with the NBA deal expiring after the 2024-2025 season. So, if Turner were not to keep the NBA, Barkley could potentially own rights uh, to go work for another network or a digital platform, like if Amazon or Apple or any others end up getting involved. Uh so it looks like there is potentially an opt-out here to where Barkley doesn't have to stay if uh, the NBA, if TNT ends up losing the rights to NBA games, which I don't see happening. But No, uh, no, that's a, that's a gold mine. TNT and the NBA, that's a gold mine. Yeah, 
Uh, Shaquille O'Neal obviously already has a new, uh, he already has a long-term agreement. And from what it sounds like, it sounds like uh, Ernie Johnson and Kenny Smith have also been signed to new deals as well. So the terms of those deals uh, are not known at this time. But uh, needless to say, the NBA on TNT crew is sticking around. They They all have fun together. They make a ton of money. Yeah. That's a, just a dream dream job. They're not going anywhere. They're loving it. Hell no. Oh yeah, and the and the first the first thing uh that they do to celebrate uh is to immediately make fun of Charles Barkley on the uh on the NBA on TNT <laughs> first night back on the air. Of course. What a shock. I love that crew, man. Ernie's great too, obviously. It's a great group. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely um it's definitely one of the more entertaining uh you know pre and post game shows that you'll see anywhere uh when it comes to sports. So, it, yeah, they're pretty damn entertaining. Yeah, they got a great great chemistry. They have a lot of fun and they know hoops. They got it all covered. Yeah. You know, uh that's what kind of I was kind of worried when uh, Charles Barkley was talking about not wanting to potentially fulfill his remaining deal. Uh, I was kind of worried about that, that maybe perhaps, you know, that would then – because he's a, he's a huge part to the TNT broadcast. And if you take away Barkley, you know, you take away a lot of the comedy – that comes with the NBA on TNT setup. So yeah, but you know it's it's good though. He's he's saying the entire crew is saying uh, we can basically look forward to more and more weeks of hilarity uh, for many years to come here for at least the next decade or so. Uh, let's see. According to ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski, uh, the Memphis Grizzlies and Brandon Clark have agreed to a $52 million contract extension over the next four years. Uh, This took place before the NBA's deadline for rookie contract extensions. Uh, So basically the Grizzlies, they keep a crucial part of their young core. together with Memphis for the foreseeable future moving forward. And for what it sounds like, it sounds like he's probably going to see an uptick in minutes while Jaron Jackson Jr. uh, continues to recover from his foot surgery. Uh, Let's see. DeAndre Hunter of the Atlanta Hawks, he apparently signed his rookie scale extension worth about $95 million over four years. And he was the one, he was the only other player that got it done right at the wire uh, as the deadline was 6 p.m. Eastern time uh, before the regular season started. So Atlanta keeps a crucial piece of their young core uh, together here with DeAndre Hunter. 
Yeah, yeah, they definitely got a good squad. And, you know, uh, I think I might have said this before you came before you came back on, Alex, but I would probably look at Atlanta as being a potential wild card in the uh, sure. in the Eastern Conference. Murray and uh, obviously Trey Young. And then uh, their backup, I can't even pronounce his name. He's a really good young player, though, the backup center. Capello, he might replace Capello soon. Capella? Collins. Yeah, Capella, no, the backup um, from USC. Their backup center is really good. They have a good, they have good depth. They still have Bogdanovich too, I believe. Yeah, they do. They got Bogdanovich. So let me see. Uh, Onyeka Okongwu. Yeah. Yeah, that's he's getting more and more minutes. And I guess Capella's a free agent. Capella's this free agent year, and he uh, he's apparently their, his successor. Yeah, and like, I mean they have well, a good core. Dante Murray, that's an awesome. That backcourt's as good as anyone's. Yeah, I can see Okongwu being his successor because I don't think that they want to give Capella uh, the money that he's, that he's probably going to be looking for. So, How's DeJounte Murray looking so far? I haven't seen Atlanta play yet. Have, has he done – what are they, 2-0, um, 1-1? Yeah, but uh, another thing to keep in mind, too, is uh, the wins that they have are against teams that they should beat. So – you know, it's not like they're going out there and beating, you know, teams that are going to be tough matchups. They, they've they had easy matchups so far. That's true. Uh, but, I mean, they beat the Rockets by 10 points, and they beat the Magic by 10 points. So, uh, but let me take a look real quick here. Let me see. Murray, through two games, is averaging 20 points. Uh, with seven rebounds and ten assists. So he's averaging a double-double so far through two games. And okay. also four and a half steals as well. Wow. Yeah, they're going to be dangerous for sure. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely their top three scorers so far are Trey Young, John Collins, and DeJuante Murray with DeAndre Hunter uh, right behind Murray. Nice. Me, you know, yeah, needless, needless to say, they, definite, they definitely have a, uh, a, promising, a promising team. Yeah, Hunter's like the perfect uh, glue guy. Plays defense, mm. does a little bit of everything. Right. And then with Trey and Murray, they can score. You know, those guys can score 50 points a night combined. That's a really uh, yeah. good-looking lineup. Yeah, they definitely uh, they definitely got something cooking there. The only the, the thing I'm interested in though is seeing what happens. I mean, like their next couple of games. Yeah, they got Charlotte. They got two games at Detroit. Uh, so I mean, they could potentially be five and zero by the time they go up against Milwaukee, Toronto. Uh, the Knicks, uh, New Orleans, Milwaukee again. Then they have they have two games against Philadelphia back to back. They don't play Boston until about mid November. 
they have a lot of games against Milwaukee, actually. They have, like, three games against Milwaukee in a span of, like, two weeks. Huh. Could be interesting. Yeah, I mean, it is it is going to get a little bit tougher uh, the next couple of games. For, you know, well, actually, the next couple of games is going to be pretty easy, but after that, you know, starting on the 29th, there's their schedule is going to start to get tougher. So I think once we hit the Milwaukee here, or once we hit the Milwaukee game, we'll really start to see what type of team Atlanta really is. Yeah, definitely. It'll be a good litmus test coming up to them. Yeah, it definitely, it definitely will be. And I, uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe Atlanta – uh, maybe it's the fact that, you know, Trey Young hasn't had somebody to play off of him like he does now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so maybe perhaps. Yeah, you know, maybe perhaps with him having, uh, you know, with him having DeJuante Murray now, maybe that plays a little bit of a role and we start to see a rejuvenated uh Atlanta Hawks offense. Absolutely. But I'll tell you this much. I don't think I see them being just a, you know, a borderline playing tournament team. I think think they have a legitimate shot to make the playoffs this year. Absolutely. I still definitely think Boston's the class of the East. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, definitely. Absolutely, hundred percent. Yeah, I'm impressed with how, how the the coach the coach has stepped right in. I'm really impressed. The players haven't skipped a beat. They're all just taking care of business, like it. You know, they're just moving on. Right. Yeah, they're de- they're definitely uh, you know they're de- they're definitely uh, moving forward. With the way they the way they basically uh, they basically have played, but you know I I guess it's it's mainly just the fact that they needed that extra spark and, and who knows Murray the more I the think about it the more that the more that I think about it they're starting three zero maybe it was maybe behind the scenes maybe the players a couple of the players were upset or maybe there was drama maybe like you know you know what I mean maybe it was a bad secret that like the players already knew that something was going on with Odoka. Maybe they maybe yeah. they'll, they'll be better off. Maybe they'll be better off without him. They still have the talented players. They seem to be doing pretty damn well. Oh, what, you mean Boston? Oh yeah, no, I'm talking about the Celtics. Maybe they're better off. Ultimately, better off without Odoka. Maybe. Uh, oh yeah. You know, maybe it was, maybe maybe it was a maybe it was a distraction. You know. Maybe uh, behind the scenes, you know, the players were winning despite all the distractions. So they might just be better off. They might even they, – the players might even, you know, like and appreciate uh, the new coach more. Yeah, you know what? I was just looking at Boston's stats. Let me bring, let me bring it up here, actually. Because uh, looking at some, of the, at some of their stats from – I mean, obviously, early, very early on here. Actually, uh, so they haven't included tonight's stats for some reason. But entering today's game, 
Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown were averaging around 32 points each. Now, obviously, Brown had a bit of a down game today. He only had, like, about 12 points. So that's obviously going to bring that down. But you had Grant Williams and Malcolm Brogdon both averaging about 12 points off of the bench. Uh, You had, well, obviously, Derek White's average is going to go up because he was only averaging about six points, but he absolutely exploded for, like, 27 tonight. And you have a kid like Sam Harther. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he is when given the opportunity. They have, man, and when they get Time Lord back, they got a deep team. I mean, you've said it before, and you're, you're definitely an expert on the Celtics team, but they have a, that's a great duo right off the bench. Like, for the playoffs, you only play seven guys. Check Grant Williams right. and Brogdon. That's a, that's a great bench. Yeah, you have, you have Williams and Brogdon, and assuming, you know, uh, once, it, it looks like they're trying to groom Noah Vonley to be potentially their ninth guy or their eighth guy off the bench. Yeah. Vonley and also Vonley and also Sam Hauser as well. Hauser, as you pointed out, Hauser's coming along and he's only in his second year. Who knows? He could could keep developing a lot further the more they play him. I think it's important to keep giving him minutes, you know, see what he's got. It's early in the season. Give him a shot. Right, yeah. You know, he's, he's, he had a really good uh, college career. He's, he, they're on to something. They know what they're doing. Yeah, I mean, he went he went two for three against Miami uh, last night, and he went three for four against Orlando earlier today. So six points last night, nine points tonight. I mean, obviously there's a reason why they signed him to that uh, – to the big contract that they signed him. Well, I shouldn't say big, but big for him, considering, you know, sure. he wasn't really a uh, a well-known player. But, um, you know, because he spent, like, he played only about 26 games, and most of them were in garbage time last year. Yep. So the games that he did, the games that uh, – the times that he did get to play, you know, it, it was it was mainly just garbage time games. But I did like what, like I said, I liked what I saw of him during the summer league, and I liked what I saw of him during uh, the preseason. So yeah, is he just like a good um, shooter? Is he good? Oh, yeah. I think feel like is he pretty quick? Well, he's pretty quick when it comes to the three ball. Uh, he, it's, his layups still need a little bit of work. I mean, he's mainly a three-point shooter, basically. But, I mean, he's not bad. You know, when he, when he's open, more than likely he gets the shot in. But, I mean, obviously, you know, he's playing against bona fide NBA players now. You know, he's playing against... Yeah. Uh, it's different. It's different from... Uh, it's different when he's playing meaningful minutes as opposed to playing preseason minutes. Sure. But, you know, I, I will say this. Uh, so far, he has looked a lot better early on this season compared to last season. So Nice. Yeah, keep giving I mean, him minutes, it's, man. It's something to keep grow. an eye on. Keep, 
keep giving him minutes. It's the best way to have someone grow up overnight. Just you got to play him. Right. Yeah. It's, you know, it's it's something it's something basically to re- to really keep an eye on moving forward. Yeah. Uh, for for the Celtics, especially when when you think about it, you know, usually you have more well-known names on the bench, but you know, for the most part, all they really have is you know, they have Blake Griffin, but Blake Griffin hasn't really been much of a uh, he hasn't really been much of a threat off of the bench so far. And What's I mean, going on Noah Vaughn. The Celtics got the Celtics aficionado here. Is Peyton Pritchard yeah. playing, or is he injured, or is he just now he's third behind uh, Brogdon? Uh, that's the big problem. He's he's right behind Brogdon now, so there's no need for him. On four. Four. Yeah. yeah, well, technically, technically he's third. I should say, even though he's the fourth point guard on the roster, technically he's third because they have Derek White starting at at. Uh, at shooting guard now, so. Oh, that's right. White can play point too. Wow, he's very. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I like. Yeah, the, but I think in the clutch, they will play Brogdon in the playoffs, playing mostly point guard. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Pritchard. He did have a he did have a three pointer tonight, but he barely saw any minutes tonight. Uh, you know, it's he's going to be used. Sparingly, I'll put it that way. I think they want him to work on a couple of more things. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see a step back from him this year because of how the team is currently constructed. Although, who knows? You know, we could potentially see him as trade bait, potentially, for if a team needs a, uh, needs a young shooter. Uh, we could see Peyton Pritchard uh, be used as trade bait. Yeah, it could be. Because, I, I mean, I'm looking at their depth chart right now, and it's, the chances are you're probably going to see Blake Griffin or Sam Hauser be used before you would see Peyton Pritchard be used. Because with the point guard position, they can always switch between Malcolm Brogdon or Derek White before they would go to Pritchard. Yeah. That's a big upgrade. I mean, I I still love Marcus Smart, but that's such a good upgrade for the playoffs to have Brogdon running the point. Right. In a playoff game. That's huge. and and, And the thing, too, is they can also switch. Now, because I, I know people will say, well, Derek White is the shooting guard. Yeah, but they can also move Jalen Brown over to shooting guard, and then they can bring in Sam, they can bring in Sam Hauser to play small forward when Brown is yeah. playing shooting guard. So, A lot of versatility. Yeah, I mean, there's, I'll put it this way. It's going to be hard, barring an injury, it's going to be hard, I believe, for Peyton Pritchard to get any playing time this year. Yeah. That's true. They have a very crowded backcourt. Yeah, which is unless, a good problem, Nav. Unless there's somebody that struggles in a game and they decide to try and bring in a spark plug off of the bench, which Peyton Pritchard has been known to be that from time to time. I like so, him a lot. I mean, I'd, I'd take him on my mm-hmm. team as like a seventh man. He should definitely be in a rotation. Yeah. So, yeah, you're right. He might be trade bait. 
And I'm, you know, I'm. I was looking at the, at today's game, and I'll t- I'll tell you one thing: Luke Cornett had no reason to be out there. But the only reason why they yeah. they used the Luke Cornett today was because uh, Noah Vonley and Grant Williams both had foul trouble. That's literally the. Uh, I cannot wait he until couldn't. Rob Williams gets back. Because yeah, when Rob Williams really gets up back, the next the next cut Cornett. I mean. Yeah, that says it all. And the Knicks are much improved, but I mean, if he's not playing for the Knicks, he should not be on the Celtics roster. Right. And you know, when originally they had Cornette off of the roster to start the season, and I thought, oh, are they going after Derek Favors or something? Because Derek Maybe. Favors oh, is yeah. a free agent. That would be a bad move. He's older, but he's serviceable. Good veteran. Yeah. I mean, he's I, very you know, they already have four for Duff. Yeah, he is. He'll, he'll be on a team. Well, within a couple of months. Well, Horford, Horford is out, but I'll put it that way. Horford is only out because it was a back-to-back. That's why. Yeah, and like you said, playing in Orlando. Orlando's got a lot of young talent, but they're not ready yet. So that's a good a good situation to rest them playing in, in Orlando. Yeah. It's still – and it's early in the year. It's not going right. to crush yeah. you if you drop that game. It's a good, it's a good calculated risk to rest uh, Horford today. Yeah. All right. Well, you know what? That's going to do it for uh, for tonight's show. We're we're uh, wrapping up here uh, at the end. Uh, a reminder for any uh, for any Survivor fans: Thursday night we will be back with the Survivor 43 recap podcast, and of course we will be back next Saturday night for another edition of Sports Whispers Weekly, uh, where who knows what will happen uh, this week. I mean, we already yeah. we already had a ton of stuff happen this week. Who knows? Who knows what we'll ha- what we'll be talking about next week? For all we know, maybe there will be a couple more scandals that'll pop up. Uh, but I'm sure. Who, you know, we'll probably be talking World Series next week, I assume. Uh, and there's going to be, I'm pretty sure, a lot of stuff that's going to be on the table. But uh, thank you to Lou, thank you to Alex, and thank you to Diane for joining me tonight. Uh, we will see you guys next Saturday night for another edition of Sports Whispers Weekly. Have a good weekend, everybody.